Okay, Yesterday we ended on verse 44. We ended on verse 44 of Surat Al-Hijr. Alright, the last ayahs, I would just recite the last ayahs, but we have to comment. I'll be commenting on verses 26 to 44, but we did tilawat to verses 26 to 44. Alright. So the first thing you saw here on verses 26 and onwards, I already mentioned to you how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had created Sayyidina Adam from a different types of mud and clay, with the Arabic word for that was salsal. Some of the Mufassirin then mention here that uh, when you take earth and you mix it with water, then the mixture, either you want to call that clay or you want to call that mud, so that mixture is what is called salsal. Right? Okay, like I mentioned to you last time, there are different views. Some have also said that salsalan means a melodious sound. So the sound they're saying is a sound came when the, in the shape of Sayyidina Adam was formed from the clay. A sound emerged. There was some type of sound that emerged or sound that took place when Sayyidina Adam physical body was formed. Okay? Allah, Allah, Allah Ta'ala knows best what that is. Okay, the creation of the jinn I had already mentioned to you, and it says that the jinn were created earlier. Uh, according to one call of Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Abbas, anhu, that the jinn were created 2,000 years before humanity. They were created 2,000 years before humanity, so their creation predates humanity from 2,000 years. <coughs> Alright. The refusal of Iblis to prostrate to Sayyidina al is something we've already done with you earlier. Uh, and it's going to come again, inshallah, maybe if we reach it today in Surah 17, verse number 61 as well. Now, what we did for you last time, that Iblis, which is what I told you, that he was extremely unrepentant, right? And then he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant him respite until the day of judgment. Now, what happens here, if you look here first in verse number... Uh, 35, Allah Ta'ala said to him, That you will be outcast of the mercy of Allah Subhanahu until the day of judgment. So here there's an ishara, right? Already Allah Ta'ala made an ishara here that he had a certain mohlat, he had a certain reprieve, right? That he had a certain mohlat, he had a certain reprieve. So Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala is already saying uh, that he is going to be have a lanat from Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala until Yom Din. This can be understood by the Mufassir number one, that Allah SWT knew that he was going to ask for that reprieve until the end of time. Therefore, he already told him. It can also be understood that Allah SWT, no, the second explanation of this is that every single living creature will actually only face Hisab and Yawmuddin. So even though Iblis disobeyed Allah SWT in this early period in time and refused to do Sadat Adam Adam the Hisab for that will take place when the Hisab for all of the jinn takes place and when the Hisab for all of Insan takes place and that is Yawmuddin. And it may be because of that, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that you will have my la'anat until the day of judgment, then shaitan responded then by saying, قَالَ رَبِّي فَأَنذِرْنِي إِلَى يَوْمٍ يُبْأَثُونَ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give me respite means don't punish me, let me be. And it can also be understood that give me life. That if my hisab is only going to take place in the yawm al-deen, then let me live until that time. Don't let death overcome me in 20, 40, 60 year 
whatever the life expectancy or lifespan is of the jinn, right? But give me some respite until then. And then the rest of it, as you know, and we've done that with you before, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him that respite. All right. And he also then makes it clear that he is going to, what is he going to do? So here, what Iblis said, first he accuses Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rabbi bima That, oh my Rabb, because you have sent me astray. This is a very important thing to note, because just like we don't want to have the sifat, and adab of the munafikin, we don't want to have the sifat and adab of the kuffar. We most certainly don't want to have the sifat and adab of iblis. And sometimes people feel this way that when they fall into sin, they blame Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They say, Allah ta'ala, why did you put me in this position? Why did you put me in this test? Why did you make me in this way? Right? So if any human being in any way ever blames Allah subhanahu for their sin, and they think it's Allah ta'ala led them astray, or Allah ta'ala made them this way, then that nisbat goes back to shaitan. That's what shaitan said, because of the fact that you made me go astray. So we should never ever think, whenever we commit a sin, we should be honest, Acknowledge that it was our sin, that attributed entirely to ourself, that we could have stopped ourselves from it. It's not in any way that Allah Ta'ala made me this way, or Allah Ta'ala forced me to do this, or that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has led me astray. Right? Very important point to make. Okay. Then, next thing that he said is that, what was he going to do? La uzayyinanna. That I'm going to make beautiful the home for all of insan, fill out of the things in this earth. Right? So, earth here also means hayat dunya. So, what it means is that Iblis is revealing his strategy, Allah Ta'ala is revealing to us what his declared strategy was to Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. So, this means a person, if you want to know or identify when is it that I'm being tempted by shaitan, well, Shaitan has said that what he's going to do is make evil things look beautiful. So whenever you find allure, attraction, glamour, beauty, not all of it is necessarily bad, right? Some of it may take place within the bounds of nikah, but whenever you find these things, you should be wary immediately. It means that whenever we find zenith, we should first check that is this that zenith that shaitan is put on this earth to make me astray? Or is this from the jayz halal zenith that Allah Ta'ala has put on this earth for me to enjoy? So a person should be on guard, right? For example, if you found out that you had an enemy and you found out that he told somebody, some being that the way he was going to poison you was through chicken soup. Now every time chicken soup comes in front of you, you're going to be careful, right? Because you've been told that his method is going to be poison you through chicken soup. So Iblis is saying his method to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that how is he going to lead insan astray? He's going to lead them astray through putting through zenith on this earth. To making things that a person should not be attracted to, things that are actually sin and evil and immodesty, to make them appear beautiful to them. And really the women should be careful also that a woman does not want to be the sub of shaitan. No woman wants to go adorned in all of her beauty, be it on a shadi, be it on a valima, be it on Eid in America. You know the Pakistanis, the way the Pakistani women dress up in weddings here, that's how they dress up on Eid in America. <laughs> go to Eid. If you do Eid in Chicago or New York, you will see every woman wearing all her gharara and her fancy clothing because it's a day where they want to wear the beautiful clothing, but, you know, uh, I mean, here I don't want to repeat that, but I would just let you know that it's not me who's saying it. Very, you know, very, maybe non-practicing Muslims have many jokes about Eid uh, in Chicago and New York, right? What takes place. 
So a woman should not want to adorn her beauty in front of, reveal her beauty to someone who should not see it, lest she herself become an agent of shaitan. It's important to know when it talks about, and I did that for you earlier in Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala specifically mentioned shayateen min al-jinni wal-ins, that they are shayateen from the jinn and shayateen from humanity. And sometimes what that means is agents of shaitan, sometimes a human is unknowing, unwittingly an agent. That wasn't her niyat, right? Her niyat was that, okay, it's a wedding, I want to look beautiful, and you know, maybe she thought, I'll trust the men to lower their gaze. So don't put your trust in that person who Allah ta'ala hasn't put his trust in. That's what our shaykh says, that just for Allah Ta'ala ke itamad nahi, aap us par kiyo itamad kar rahe? Right? When Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala said that these are mahram and non-mahram relationships, so Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala decided for us, right? Even if there's an exception to the rule, we still enforce the rule. That's the example we give you of the race car driver on the highway. He can drive faster than 55 miles an hour. He can drive from Lahore to Samba 200 km an hour. Nothing will happen. He's a professional race car driver. We still enforce the rule. Rules are rules, laws are laws. So no matter how pious the person may be, no matter how much we may call him bahi, no matter how much he calls us behen, a, a rule is a rule. Did you hear that? You heard it, right? Uh, a rule is a rule. Aapne kisi ko chote se janwa ko yaan to dibaya to nahi Okay. Let's see if it comes. You heard it, right? Let's see if it comes again. Alright. Take it. So, zinat, 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 zinat. So, a person should be wary and careful of zinat because that is the chosen method that shaitan has used. Next thing shaitan said that I'm going to, that I'm going to make all of them go astray. Illa, but before we get to that, what does it mean that no one shaitan has intended and he will certainly do it. He is going to attack everyone. So don't think that, yeah, ye wo shaitan patane koi Quran me koi baat hai, mere saath koi aise nahi hota. Don't think like that. Allah Taala has revealed in Quran that what is shaitan saying? La awwiyanhum ajmain. So everybody should feel the, the response our heart should have to Quran is every one of us should realize that we are one of those ajma'een, we are one of those entirety, totality of humanity against whom shaitan is going to direct and focus his evil machinations and he wants to lead us to go astray. We should feel as if a big target is painted on us. Imagine if there's a big target painted on you and you know there's a sniper on the roof. So you walk very carefully, right? So there's a big target painted on you just because you were insan, that's it. You're being Bani Adam means there's a big target on you. And shaitan is everywhere. <laughs> Allah has given shaitan that ability that he can be in multiple places at a single time. He can cross space like this in an instant. He can teleport, put it that way. Hmm? He can teleport from any place on earth to any other place on earth at any second's notice. Allah hmm? Alright. Illa, but even Iblis knew even Iblis knew that there are going to be some people who he will not be able to make them go astray. Who are those people? Ibadaka minhum. That from all of the insan, from amongst them, there's going to be a group who are called Ibad, which means your servants. Al-Mukhlaseen, those who are chosen by you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is this notion, right? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes people mahfuz. I explained this to you before, that that person who Allah Ta'ala chooses, they become mahfuz, protected and preserved and safeguarded from the machinations of shaitan. How does a person become amongst us mukhlasin, become mahfuz? That is by adopting taqwa. 
That is about getting wilayat. That is one of the tafsirs of la khawfun alayhim wallahum yasunun. One of the tafsirs of la khawfun alayhim, that there will be no fear on them, means that they will be from this ibad al-mukhlaseen, they will be mahfuz, they will be protected from the machinations of shaitan. Alright. Lastly, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then said, okay, what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say, inna ibadi. Now here the Mufassir have taken out a nukta. That what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Allah ta'ala didn't respond. Shaitan thought that only the ibad al-mukhlaseen will be protected from him. When Allah ta'ala responded, what did he say? Inna ibadi laysa laka alayhim sultan. That know that my ibad, be they mukhlaseen or not mukhlaseen, this is mutlak. For those of you who remember usul, this is mutlak, it's not muqayyid. It's mutlak. Means all of my servants, ibadi. In fact, all of my ibad, you will not, whether the mukhlaseen or not. Or another way you can understand this here is Allah Ta'ala at this moment chooses all of his ibad. Allah Ta'ala said, except those that you choose. So Allah Ta'ala responds, I choose all of them. All of those insan who are my ibad, what they salaka alayhim sultan. You will not have any warrant, any authority, any sway over them whatsoever. You will not have any power over them whatsoever. So that means this shows the importance of ibadah, ibadah. It's not talking about being a good person. It's not talking about being nice. It's not talking about being kind. What is that sifat? What is that attribute that is going to make a person protected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that shaitan will have no warrant, no ability, no sway, no power over them? They must make themselves from the ibadillah, from the worshipful, devoted servants and slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They must realize their prime human identity as Abdullah. And this is again exactly what secularism is trying to take out from a person. Secularism says that you need every goodness, this thing you don't need. No need to be Abdullah. No need for worship, no need for prayer, no need for dhikr, right? This is exactly what secularism took out. The very one sifat, the very sifat that Allah Ta'ala said in Quran will make us protected from shaitan, ibadah, ubudiyya. That's exactly what secularism directly targets to take out. That's why it's more sinister. Hinduism, all those others have their own types of worship, right? Secularism is the one ideology and philosophy that says there's no such thing as worship. It doesn't just say that there's no ma'bud. They say there's no such thing as ma'bud. There's no ibadah. There's no abd. That's what secularism is. That's their kalima. La ma'buda, la ibada, la abda. Down ka kalima hai. Right? Minabi banaya. Right? Take a, so it shows you very important, very important to become a person of ibadah. Don't underestimate ibadah. Now then Allah Ta'ala says, وَإِنَّ جَهَنَّمَ لَمَوْئِدُهُمْ And all of those people who you do make go astray, who are not of my ibad, Allah Ta'ala says, they'll all go into jahannam with you, Iblis. That's what Allah Ta'ala says. That they will all go into jahannam with you. And what is the nature of that jahannam? So this is very, you should, we should not underestimate what it means to follow Iblis. The last thing I'll mention that Jahannam has seven doors. Seven doors. Sayyidina Rasulullah said that Jahannam has seven doors, his hadith, one of which was reserved for those who draw their swords to kill my ummah. Whether draw their swords means drones, it can mean F-16s, it can mean anything. Those people who raise their hands or extend their power or try to kill members of the ummah of Sayyidina Rasulullah Allah Subhanahu has made a special gate and door in Jahannam for them. So that's one notion. So we get some tide from hadith of this notion of abwab. 
Separate thing you find in Hadith is this notion of seven darajat of Jannah, that there's seven top, seven levels, seven strata of Jannah. So some have suggested that each door leads to a different strata. Allahu Allah, maybe. And it may just mean that there's seven pitfall doors and then after that they may be slotted. Alright, now let's do verses 45 to 50 because we have a lot of material to cover today. So I'm mostly going to be speaking to you in English. What I will do so you can follow in the Arabic, those of you who have that in front of you, I will say the verse numbers. And I'm going to translate those verses and then comment on them. So verses 45 to 50. Indeed, those who adopt taqwa, they will enter into gardens which will have, they will enter into gardens and streams or springs. And what will be said to them? Udkuluha bisalamin aminin. And you should enter therein with salam and in complete aman, peace, tranquility. And Allah Ta'ala says, and we will remove from their hearts and from their breasts all the ghil that they have. Ghil means to have rancor, ill will, malice, animosity, bad feelings towards someone. So Allah Ta'ala, one attribute of Jannah that's being mentioned here is removal of ghil. So another thing to track in Quran is whatever Allah Ta'ala says our attributes are going to be in Jannah. If we want to make ourselves Jannati, we should have those attributes right now in this world. So we should try to remove ghil from our hearts. We don't want to... Let me, for speed's sake, translate, then comment. So, and then what will happen? Ikhwanan they will be seated on surur means sofas and couches. It's like a throne type sofa and couch. A sofa, couch size type of throne and platform. And they will be seated on that ikhwanan. They will be seated on like brethren to one another. Mutakabilin face to face. Clear? Let me just explain. What it means by that Al-Smata is showing this to show the harmony. Harmony that they will have, that all animals will be removed from their heart, and they will be sitting together in complete brethren. In other words, that we say in this world that the ummah, the believers, or fellow believers are supposed to be brothers and sisters towards one another, but the real realization of that will be with the Ahlul Jannah. The Ahlul Jannah, the dwellers and inhabitants of Jannah, will be true, true brethren to one another. They will be the truest sense uh, fellow citizens of Jannah, hmm? and they will be in the truest sense fellow spiritual, fellow citizens and associates of Jannah, they will be in complete mutual peace and harmony and reconciliation and love and respect with one another. Right? So it's that, that's what a person was supposed to try to attain in this world. There will no difficulty should afflict them in that Jannah and nor they will never ever be removed from there ever. No difficulty, no weariness will afflict them in Jannah and they will never be removed from Jannah. Then Allah said, Nabi Ibadi, very important ayah in Quran al-Kareem, Surah Al-Hijr, Surah number 15, verse 49. This is one of the most important ayat. Whenever a person sins, they should recite this ayat. There are certain ayat that the second you sin, this is the ayat you should recite. Right there. Usiwat. Whatever your condition is, Pak, Napak, whatever your condition is, whenever you commit a sin against Allah Subhanahu you should recite. Certain eyes of Quran, amongst it is this: Nabi ibadi anni anal rahim. That Nabi, O my Nabi Kareem, some inform, ibadi inform my servants and slaves. Again, ibad, ibad. The key of it is ibad. Anni that indeed I, ana I al ghafur. I am all forgiving. Al rahim. I am all merciful. Right. This is viewed by some of the mufassirin to be one of the most 
strongest statements of the mercy and forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Quran al-Karim. At the same time, they should know that if they don't, they should, what is the feeling here? That because I'm al-Ghafoor and al-Rahim, they should fall in love with me because of that, and they should make themselves my ibad, and they should lovingly, devotingly, devoutedly worship me. And if they don't, then they should also know, that indeed when my punishment comes, then my punishment is indeed an extremely painful punishment. Or not? The reason I told you that counters are like gold because in Surah Waqiyah Surah 56 I said they were like thrones because in Surah Waqiyah Surah 56 verses 15 to 16 Allah Ta'ala mentions that they will be seated on thrones which are woven of gold and they will be reclining on those thrones facing one another. Here, Allama Alusi Rimalana's rule, Mani says that what is the rupt here of I-49 when Allah SWT is talking about Jannah and the people of Jannah, they will have no animosity, they will have peace with one another, they will be brethren to one another. Then why did all of a sudden Allah Ta'ala talk about his maghfira? Because people in Jannah already are past that stage. So what Allah SWT was giving an ishara over here, that these ibad who enter Jannah, you can still enter Jannah. Earlier we had done that Jannah was for the people of taqwa. In verse 45, إِنَّ الْمُتَّكِينَ فِي جَنَّاتٍ so Allah Ta'ala began the passage by saying Jannat is for the muttaqeen. And then in 49 Allah Ta'ala showed, verse 49 Allah Ta'ala showed that even ghair muttaqeen can enter Jannah if they make tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So verse 45 made it clear that muttaqeen can have Jannah. And verse 49 made it clear that tawabeen, ghair muttaqeen, but as long as they're tawabeen, they can also get into Jannah if they're people who did ibadah. And then they fell into sin, they didn't have taqwa, but they made tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah Ta'ala on the basis of his maghfira and rahmah, will also admit them into Jannah. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned that over here. Alright, verses 51 to 56. Okay, and inform them about the guests of Sayyidina Ibrahim salam, That when those guests entered the presence of Sayyidina salam, they greeted him with salam. And he responded to his guests, what did he say? Inna minkum wajilun, That indeed we are afraid. We are actually afraid or scared of you. So his guest responded to him that La Tawjal, that do not be afraid and scared. Indeed, know that we wish to give you a good news and glad tidings of a child, a in a male child, a boy, who is Alim, who will be extremely knowledgeable. Call the Sayyidina Ibrahim then responded to them and he said to them that are you giving me glad tidings when old age has already overcome me? What type of glad tidings are, can you deliver to me? So they responded to him that we are giving you the good news of a reality. We are giving you glad tidings truthfully. What we are telling you, the bushra, the good news that we are giving is absolute haq. So don't become of those who lose hope. Or fancy English would be, don't be of the despondent ones. Don't despair. In other words, the fact that you are of old age does not mean that you are beyond the bounty if Allah Ta'ala chooses to give you this bounty. And then, what did those messengers, the messengers or angels, what did the messengers say? They said to him that, That only those who are astray. Remember? This is the same thing, and only those who are astray, who are deviant, 
only they despair and become despondent of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So again, another attribute for us to learn here in verse number 56, that we should never, ever, ever think that we have sinned so much that we are beyond the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We can never have that despair because that is the attribute of the dhalin. And elsewhere Allah Ta'ala said in Quran al-Kareem, لَا تَكْنَتُوا مَا لَحْمَةَ اللَّهِ فَإِنَّهُ أَرْحَمَ الرَّاهِمِينَ That never ever despair of the mercy of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala because He is the most merciful of the merciful ones. And in that ayah Allah Ta'ala followed up by saying, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَغْفِرُ الزُّنُوبَ جَمِيعًا That indeed Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala forgives all of the sins in entirety. So no one is ever beyond the reach of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now they're not in any way trying to suggest here that Sayyidina Ibrahim is from the Dhalun, but they were letting him know that this sifat is the sifat of the Dhalun. And therefore you should not, the same mizaj, you should not even want the sifat to come into you. Obviously here Sayyidina Ibrahim was not mayus of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At this time he didn't know that the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could encompass this. Up to now he may have thought that mercy of Allah will be a means of forgiveness of sins. He didn't know that Allah Ta'ala's rahmat can also come and make a person who is beyond childbearing age able to bear children. Right? Okay. This is the meaning of Sayyidina Ibrahim Islam with those angels uh, who have also come and we did this in earlier in Surah Hud as well that they came and then they went to Sayyidina Lut and they were the angels who had come to punish uh, the community of Sayyidina Lut. And that's why when Sayyidina Ibrahim Muslim, he saw them, he knew that the angels come with the tidings of punishment. And again you will see also that it didn't happen to Sayyidina Ibrahim Muslim's people. The punishments that came to Sayyidina Hud, Sayyidina Saleh, Sayyidina Shuaib, etc. Uh, the prophets we did earlier, Sayyidina Nuh, etc. That didn't happen to Sayyidina Ibrahim Muslim's people. But because he had knew the story of Sayyidina Nuh, and he knew as a prophet, and maybe he recognized his angels, and maybe he saw in them a jalak of punishment, which they were taking with them onward to Sayyidina Lut This also, remember we did this for you in Hud, that he roasted a lamb for them. We did this story for you, remember? And then they didn't extend their hands towards it. So we've done all of this, uh, details of the story for you. Okay? The son, by the way, that was also in Surah Hud, this actual here, the son is of Sayyidina Ishaq alayhi salam. They were bringing him the glad tidings of Sayyidina Ishaq alayhi salam. Alright. And there's going to be coming a verse in Surah Safat where he's going to get the glad tidings of Sayyidina Ismail Islam, but that will come for you next year. Alright, verses number 57 to 77. Alright. So they said, when they said to him, uh, that, uh, don't be, mm, don't be scared of us, so then he replied to them, the Qalsim may have sent to them, that then what? Mission, what is your mission, O messengers? I, he said to the angels, that what assignment have you been commissioned with? What is your purpose? So 58, and he responded to them, that they said that we have been sent. It means to, literally it means that we've been sent to Qom and to a criminal nation, to a community of wrongdoers. It means we've been sent to destroy them. Except the family of Lut, we will destroy them except the family of Lut, and we will surely rescue and we will save all of the family of Lut. However, except his wife. All of this we did for you before. And indeed we have determined that she be left behind. She will be amongst those who remain behind. I.e. She, uh, she is going to be one uh, of the ones who is going to have the punishment afflicted. So the ordain came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The commandment of Qandarna means we have determined 
we have determined by means of information that Allah Ta'ala has ordained to us that she is going to be one of the ones who should be left behind. And then so when these angels and messengers went to Sayyidina, uh, went to Sayyidina Lut Alayhi So Qal, what did he say? Uh, what did they say? Innakum qawmam munkarun. That indeed he said to them, that indeed you are a qawm, and it was three of them according to some accounts, right? So the three of you are qawm and munkarun, that you are people who are uh, unfamiliar. So they responded to him and they said, no, in fact, uh, we're not unfamiliar, but we have brought to you that, precisely that thing about which the people have been doubtful, i.e. that we have brought that promised punishment that they said, bring it on if indeed it is promised. And, and indeed we have brought the truth, and indeed we are amongst the truthful ourselves. So they said to verse 64, so travel with your family, uh, with, during a portion of the night, and you should follow them, follow them from behind, and none of you should turn around, don't turn around and look back. And you should keep on going until, until you reach that place where you have been commanded. So suggest that that Wahi is going to come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Sayyidina and telling him how far to go. Now obviously every punishment has a certain range, there's an epicenter and then there's a perimeter, right? So he's going to keep going and he's going to cross the perimeter of the range of that punishment and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will most likely tell him to stop. Okay, now, وَكَذَيْنَا عَلَيْهِ ذَلَكَ الْأَمْرُ So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and then we decreed, uh, we decreed to Sayyidina Lut this matter and this affair. Right, and what will happen? That literally the people will be cut down, their roots will be severed, musbihin in the morning. Now, what? Meanwhile, what's going on? So the people, sixty-seven, the people of that town, they came rejoicing, and saying, "Lutaisam told to them that look, these people, I, these angels, these are my guests. Do not disgrace me in front of them. What takullaha wala tuhzun? That don't uh, have fear of Allah subhanahu wa taala and do not humiliate me in any way." So they replied to him, what did they say? That, have we not forbidden you uh, from from hosting the people of the world? What it means here, from hosting the people of the world. So he said to them, uh, because they had sort of banished him, right? And so he's not allowed to host people. So that's why he said when he, when they came and he saw they saw him with the angels, he was worried that they may disgrace him in some way. So they respond that have you have we not forbidden you from hosting the people of the world? So what did he say? He said, Kala Haulai Banati in Kuntum that here are my daughters if you must do something. I'll come back and explain this to you in a moment. Right? Uh, so he said that these are my daughters in Kuntum if indeed you are going to commit and perpetrate something. Then what happened was that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swears by the life of uh, and it's two tafsirs here. La uh, amruka can be that Allah Taala is swearing by the life of Sayyidina Lut but it can also mean that he's, Allah Taala here swearing by the life of Sayyidina Rasulullah Like while he's telling a story, he's narrating this. Allah Taala is narrating the story to Sayyidina Rasulullah So here he actually swears by the life of Sayyidina Rasulullah in nuhum lifi sakratihim yaqmahun. They were completely inebriated in their intoxication, right? So well, I'll explain that what that means in a moment. They could have been physically drunk or they could be uh, lost in their jahalat. In any case, 
Allah Ta'ala, a cataclysmic sound overcame them at the time of sunrise. And then we did this before that Allah Ta'ala made their up into their down. And then Allah Ta'ala raised up that whole settlement and turned it upside down and smashed it back onto the earth. And then Allah Ta'ala sent those cannonballs of baked clay, hailstorm down onto them from above. And then Allah Subhanahu fi ayatin lil Indeed, the in in this whole story and the whole settlement and city and civilization of Sayyidina Indeed, in that there are signs for those who literally means those who have insight, those who have foresight, those who can read signs. In this story, there are signs for those who can read between the lines. And all of their their towns and their settlements are actually on a main. Uh, thoroughfare, they're on a main road, in other words, that on that main road people can actually pass by their ruins and get their signs in the Fidalika La Ayatan Lilmuminin and indeed in all of that there are certainly signs for the believers. Alright. Now the commentary on this. So earlier in Surah Araf and Surah Hud we have discussed this incident of Sayyidina Lut Sam about the evil that they were doing, that the punishment that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent to them, and they mockingly said to Sayyidina Lut that bring the punishment, bring Allah's punishment if indeed it is true, right? So the messengers are the angels who came as bearing the tidings of that punishment. By family again here it means his family, and it also means his Ashab, and we did that for you before, that it clearly establishes that Al also refers to both Ahl and Al. Allah did for you before, and Ahl did for you before, and Al over here. Then in the Quran, the word Ahl and Al are used both for the companions of a Prophet, not just exclusively for the family of a Prophet. Alright. Now comes this question that when he said to them that here are my daughters, right? So what does that mean? So some of the commentators say that what happened actually was that the angels had come in human form, right? They had come in the guise of men, but because they were angels, they were extremely handsome. So what some of the commentators said when he said that don't disgrace me, he meant that don't give a lift to my guests, don't try to pick up the angels, right? And actually that's what happened was that they were so intoxicated, they actually wanted to practice. Uh, they actually wanted to engage in their sin with these angels. They actually wanted to engage uh, in this sin with these angels. Alright? Okay. And, again I told you before about my daughters, uh, what we understand by that tafsir Mufti Afshik has also said, is that by daughters it meant women of his nation. Right? His community Right, the pious women of the entire community that he was addressed to. So he just addressed genuinely that, look, if you want to do something, if you're a person who wants to fulfill your passions and desires, right, then you should do so in a lawful manner, i.e. with women, as opposed to with men. All right. And you remember earlier we did this in Surah Hud, that they responded back to him and said, we have no interest in the daughters, i.e. we have no interest in the women of this community at all. All right. Here, then, the Umraka, like I said, that Allah Ta'ala sprang by the life of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu So this actually is viewed as one of the great honors and one of the special features in Quran in which Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has honored the Prophet Sallallahu that he is sworn by the Prophet Sallallahu by the life of the Prophet That's that Allah Ta'ala has taken many, many oaths in the Quran, 
That maybe next year I'll explain to you in detail why Allah Ta'ala takes qasam. But as an example, you would know what tini was zaytun even by the fig and by the olive. So Allah Ta'ala mm, takes oats by many, many things in the Qur'an al-Karim. By many, many things in the Qur'an al-Karim. Alright. Verses number 78 and 79. When kana ashabul And indeed without that, the people of Aka. So Aka here is the locality, just like you had Ad and Thamud. So Aka is the locality of the people of Sayyidina Lut al-Islam. Different commentators have tried to situate that in different places. Today I would just say it's somewhere in the Middle East. It's Lughimana means actually a dense thicket of forests. Aka in Arabic means a dense grove or cluster of trees in the forest. Okay. So what then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, then we extracted vengeance from them. Uh, another we mm, inflicted uh, the punishment on them in retribution. And both of them, the two of them, the two of them, the twain of them, are situated along a main road or a main highway that is clearly visible, will be clearly visible, clearly accessible. All right. Here it's referring to two things, the habitations of uh, the people of Shu'ayb al-Islam and the habitations of the people of Lut al-Islam, that both of these places are situated in main accessible highways. What does it mean that actually it's referring to the Kufar of Quraysh of Makkah that their trade caravans and their trade routes actually pass through these very ruins. And it also suggests, the Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they also knew, they also knew, they'd heard some stories about what these why these places are lying in ruins. Alright. Verses 80 to 84. So now here on verse 80 you're going to have the word hijr. So let's do this now. وَلَكَدْ كَذَّبَ أَصْحَابُ الْهِجْرِ الْمُرْسَلِينَ That the أَصْحَابُ الْهِجْرِ Literally it means the people of Hijr. Hijr literally means it comes from Hajr, which means stones. It means a place that is surrounded by boulders, right? And this has been mentioned by the Mufassirun as this is the name of the habitation of Thamud, the people of Sayyidina Salih alayhi salam. Alright? Indeed they used to deny Mursalin, they used to deny the messengers that Allah Ta'ala had sent to them. And Allah Ta'ala mentions that we, uh, that our signs it came to them, فَكَانُوا anha مُؤْرَذِينَ However, they spurned them and they turned away from them, they ignored them. And they used to carve out homes into the mountains, right? And they were living in a state of great peace. Aminin, They were living in peace and tranquility and security. But what happened? The same thing, a cataclysmic sound seized them as an announcement of the punishment to come and then the punishment came upon them. And that cataclysmic sound seized them during the morning. And then... فَمَا أَغْنَى أَنْهُمْ مَا كَانُوا يَكْسِبُونَ Then everything and everything that they earned was of no help to them, was of no avail to them whatsoever. No avail to them whatsoever. So we've done this before, that the people of Thamud were extremely strong in their stature, and they were extremely physically powerful, and they even so were able to carve out homes for themselves in the mountains. And generally, as you would know, people who live on or in the mountains are very hardy, sturdy people, even today. Hmm? Very hardy, sturdy people. Alhamdulillah. Alright. All of this we've done, we've done their stories, we've did their signs, we did all of the signs that they just denied. Verses 85 to 86. And indeed we did, Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, that indeed we did not create the, all the realms that lie above and this earth and all that lies between them. 
illa bil haq except by truth except with some purpose except in reality right and then allah subhanahu wa inna sa'ata la'atiyatun indeed the uh, the time the moment the end of time the hour i.e. the day of judgment is coming is going to is approaching is going to come and therefore what should you do so then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says here that what you should do, you should pardon with the most grateful pardon. You should overlook in the most jameel, in the most beautiful way of overlooking. And indeed, your Rabb Khalaq is the great creator, is the grand creator, right? Is the great grand creator, Al Alim, and Allah SWT is absolutely all known. Alright. What Allah SWT means that He created all of them with some haq, it means that they all contain signs that if pondered upon will lead a person to realize the ultimate reality which is Allah SWT, He is the ultimate al-haq. Right? Then, when Allah SWT says indeed the Day of Judgment is approaching, it's mentioned to the kuffar that indeed the Day of Judgment is approaching. Now what does it mean? Now obviously it's been 1400 years, right? What it meant was that the, number one, it means the Day of Judgment is inevitable. Number two, that a human being's own life may be 70 or 80 years, and then when they are made to rise in the Day of Judgment, and we did that for you before, they will think that they had just spent a fraction of a day, a portion of the day in this world. And even all those centuries that they spent in the grave, and some of the people have been in the grave for thousands of years, they will not even realize that that time passed. So in that sense, in terms of their cognitive awareness, in terms of their shaur, the Day of Judgment is going to come very quickly. It's going to come very, very quickly. Here now, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here mean about pardon with a most graceful pardon or be forgiving in the most jameel, in the most beautiful way? So who is being referred to here, here? Number one, it is saying here that there's a lot of uh, discussion on this particular tafsir. First of all, it's saying that this uh, is applying to those situations, right, uh, where when an in Let's say it this way. We had told you that when is jihad to be fought? When there's an unjust injustice, when there's aggression, right? When there's an unjust aggressor, when there's a tyrant, when there's fitna, right? Okay. Here the Quran Kareem is giving a second possibility that you can also pardon the fitna. You can also overlook the injustice. So one response is to wage a military struggle and fight even if it means to the point of killing to eliminate and eradicate injustice and aggression on earth. And another possibility according to the Mufassirun is that uh, this applies to those situations where maybe for some hikmah jihad cannot be waged and the hik and the maqasid of the deen, the purposes of the deen would be better served by pardoning the offenses of the unbelievers. Right? All right. And in, indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the great creator and is all-knowing. So what does it mean that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created everything? That the great creator means He's created the samawat and the earth and all that is between them. And He's all-knowing. It means Allah ta'ala knows about all the oppression of the oppressor, oppressor, all of the injustice of the unjust. And even if the Muslims may pardon the injustice of the kuffar in this world, as you will see, for example, Sayyidina Rasulullah s.a.w. did amal on this and has parted many kuffar in the course of his seerah, right? Then there are many cases where he also 
engaged in military struggle to fight the injustice of the kuffar. And there have been cases where he also pardoned the kuffar. So both are sabits from Qur'an, right? But Allah Ta'ala is alim, Allah Ta'ala knows. And Allah Ta'ala will deal with them if they don't make their tawbah to Allah SWT. It should be clear if Allah, if Nabi Akram Sallallahu in Fatih Makkah, he pardoned the unbelievers. But if they didn't accept Iman when they go to the Day of Judgment, Allah Ta'ala is alim, Allah Ta'ala will deal with them and treat them as kuffar. That was a worldly hukam that the Prophet pardoned them and overlooked them with a beautiful, jameel pardon. A lesson that we learn here as well is that whenever we pardon somebody, when we decide to pardon someone and forgive someone, we should do it with what? With asaf al-jameel, with the most perfect, noble, beautiful, complete type of pardoning. So if we're going to forgive someone, to make amends, to patch up, to reconcile, then we should do it wholeheartedly, completely. And a lot of us, we don't do that. And this is something we need. Me and all of us, we need to work on ourselves in this way. We pardon someone, maybe begrudgingly, right? Or we pardon someone initially wholeheartedly, but they do something small after that, and then we remember the whole past again. Then again we get upset with them for all of the past things that they did, right? They make one slip, and again, right? So pardon them, Jamil means that pardon them from your tongue, Pardon them from your heart. Erase all the misgivings and all the feelings that you're upset and forgive them entirely in your heart. So much so that if afterwards they slip again, you may feel that slip, but you erase the past so thoroughly that when they slip, it won't even remind you of the past. You won't call up their old file. You've deleted the file. Delete the file in such a way that you cannot retrieve it. And sometimes we pardon people, but we keep the file there. And if they ever slip again, we retrieve it immediately. <laughs> and also emotion. I'm not saying to use it, but emotion, we start feeling upset with them again. So this jameel pardon means, It's a very difficult thing. Because Quran is actually trying to make a person what the mashaykh and the scholars of Adab and Akhlaq used to call insanul kamil. This kamil akhlaq, right? But at least we should try. At least we should try. And if you keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, Allah Ta'ala keeps giving, keeps giving, keeps giving. Alright? Okay. Verses 87 to 89. Now Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala says, uh, verses 87 to 89. الْمَثَانِي That indeed, Nabi Yaqtim we have bestowed upon you seven verses that are oft recited. Seven oft-recited verses and the Qur'an al-Azim, the great, magnificent, glorious Qur'an. So therefore, once you've been given this seven that many, I'm sorry to many of them say that the seven verses mean Surah Al-Fatiha. This is an ayah, this is in Surah Al-Hijr, verse 87, that is showing the sha'an and fazilat of Surah Fatiha. That Qur'an is Azim. But even calling Qur'an Azim was not enough to show the sha'an of Surah Fatiha. And therefore that had to be separately mentioned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say after that? That given that you have been given Fatiha, and given that you have been given Qur'an, after you have that you should never ever focus or fixate your eyes on the enjoyment and pleasures that we have given certain groups of the disbelievers to enjoy. Don't think about that. Look, it's cheap. You have Qur'an. Why are you looking at all the things in debate, duty-free shopping and all of the things in America and England? Why are you enticed by those things? You have Qur'an al-Azim. That's what Allah is saying. لا تمدن عينيك 
Don't look, don't even extend your eyes, don't focus your eyes, don't direct your eyes, don't fixate your eyes, don't glue your eyes. Don't let your eyes be ensconced and attracted and allured by all those pleasures of this world and enjoyment. Right? مَا مَتَّعْنَا بِهِ Right? That we have given uh, groups, various groups of the disbelievers. Very important attribute to have. Right? Most Muslims don't have that. The Quran is on their shelf collecting dust and all they want in their life is this. This is exactly what they want. The luxuries and worldly luxuries that they see that many people have who are disbelievers. That's the be-all and end-all for them. They would rather have a city bank job in London uh, than have a mm, you know Maison bank job in Lahore. Huh? Right? What can you do? Second attribute Allah Ta'ala says, وَلَا تَحْزَنْ عَلَيْهِمْ And don't grieve over the disbelievers. I'll come back and explain what this means. وَاخْفِذْ جَنَاهَكَ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ And third thing, third thing is, and initially, this eye is initially directed to Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam, but by extension to him, it's addressed to the entire ummah. So the third thing is that you should lower, the, it literally means lower the wings to the believers. It means become extremely humble with believers. Be extremely soft and gentle and tender and humble with believers. Literally means wahvid janahaka. Lower your wings, little mu'mineen for the believers. Means be extremely soft, gentle, tender, kind with the believers. So three attributes. Don't be attracted. And all of this is why? All of this is because you have a Quran Azim and you have a Fatiha. Alright? وَقُلْ إِنِّي And say that indeed I'm just a warner who makes things clear. I'm a clear warner. Okay. What happens here that the people who denied Sayyidina Rasulullah in his time, and many of the people who denied Deen historically and contemporarily, are people who are affluent, are people who are well off, are people who are having all types of luxuries and worldly amenities. Right? And so... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding the ummah that we have given you a bounty that is much greater than that. You have a luxury which is much greater than that. What is that? That's called Qur'an. The Qur'an is adheem. What they have is just small. You have been given a bounty. You have been given a blessing. You have been given a luxury, an item. Ek item aapke paas hai. And you're saying you're Urdu English. Ek item. Hmm? One item you have and that is Qur'an al-adheem. You have adheem Qur'an. So don't, what they have is nothing compared to that. We don't feel about the Qur'an the way Allah Ta'ala describes how mu'mineen are supposed to feel about Qur'an. Right? Okay, so that's the first. I told you the seven verses refer to Surah Fatiha. Uh, they're oft recited because obviously they are recited in every rakah, every type of salah, be it farz or wajib or sunnah or nafal, be it salat al-tasbih, salat al-tawbah, salat al-stakhara, whatever it is, it is recited in every type of salah. Okay. Do not grieve over them. By grieve over them, what did it mean that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was telling the Biyakrim Sassam that, okay, you have two jobs, right? One is to deliver the message to the non-believers. Second is that now the people who are accepting belief in you, that you have to train them. So here Allah Ta'ala was saying that don't be grieved by the disbelievers. Don't let that deter you from working on the believers. Don't 
be so grieving over them all the time and worrying about whether or why they're not accepting iman that the people who have accepted iman, you don't work on them. Therefore, instead, instead of, you know, expending your efforts, right, instead of expending your efforts on grieving over the unbelievers, what should you do? So that was the last thing, that lower your wings for the believers. Right, become soft and kind and gentle and lower your wings can also mean put them under your shelter. Put them under your shelter. Put them under your nurture. As we say in English also, it's the same English expression. Take them under your wing. Take them under your wing. Expend your efforts on the mu'mineen that you have. Take them under your wing with mercy and compassion. All right? And as far as the unbelievers go, simply tell them that indeed I am just a nazirun mubin. I am a clear and manifest warning. Verses 9 to 96. Uh, then Allah says in verses 19 onwards that... Uh, As we have revealed to the muqtasimeen, people translate as dividers, what it means is that the people who put humanity into schism and faction, people who create factionalism and schisms between people, right? And those people who actually have split Qur'an, al-Qur'an al-Idheen, that they've also tried to make, and Qur'an here, by the way, doesn't mean Qur'an al-Karim here, Qur'an means recited revelations, recited scriptural revelations, they have also divided the, they have also split into factions and sections and partitions and divisions, the different um, scriptural revelations that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has divided. So for example, you study Christian and Jewish scripture, they have all types of divisions and subdivisions and some are agreed upon and some are not agreed upon, right? So what does what say, فَوَرَبِّكَ now here Allah Ta'ala just earlier sweared on the Umar of the Nabi Here Allah Ta'ala is swearing on his own self and in the name of by your Rabb. Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala swears. So by your Rabb, what is going to happen? That indeed we will definitely, definitely question Ilanas Alannahum. We will certainly, definitely question Ajma'een, each and every single one of them. Each and every single one of them. You can also say Ajmain means we can question all of them about each and every single thing that they used to do. And you should announce and proclaim clearly. You should announce and proclaim clearly that everything that you have been commanded to do. Right? Everything that you have been commanded to do. And you should turn away and avert yourself from those who uh for those who describe partners to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inna kafeinakal mustahzain and Allah says that we we will be completely sufficient, we will suffice for you against those who ridicule and those who mock you. And Alladina Yajaluna Ma Allahi Ilahan Akhar and indeed those are the people who who are the people who mock you, those are those who have declared or attributed or accepted or ascribed a God other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they ascribed along with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala other gods. فَصَوْفَ يَعْلَمُونَ And indeed soon, surely they will come to know the truth and the reality. Alright. So what does it mean? The previous ummah divided their scriptural recitations into segments, into divisions. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was saying that if anybody does it to Quran, we will send the same punishment on them. The same, as we kama anzalna, the same type of punishment that we sent down on the people who schismed and put divisions into the Qur'an in the past, we will send the same division, uh, the same punishment on those who put divisions into the scripture of today. Uh, you know, unfortunately, there is one group today, and they have this idea what they call nazm of Qur'an. 
and there are three scholars who in their line, and each of them has their own divisions, and what they've done is they've divided Qur'an into groups, and surah groups, and surah pairs, and then what they do then, instead of interpreting Qur'an on the basis of other ayat, or even hadith, whatever their own man-made idea was of what the group was, so what they do is they make the whole Qur'an into groups, then in those groups sometimes they pair particular surahs and they call them surah pairs. And then they themselves try to discover what they call the themes of these groups. And then they interpret every verse in light of that theme. As opposed to in light of Quran, in terms of light of hadith, in light of classical tafsir. Right? This is another fitna uh, that we have today. Alright? This is by the way one of the mistakes that Mr. Hamdi does. And most of you people don't know that because you just see the popular stuff he says on TV, but in terms of his written work, uh, he actually is the most uh, far in this, that he will leave clear, even clear crystal clear hadith in Bukhari, he will leave it for his own thematic concept of what he feels. He says, no, this is a surah group. Uh, you know, I will do the example, I mean, I will come next year, but he has some rather fanciful ideas about certain parts of Quran, but they're coming in the second half. All right, but it's because of this that they've divided the Qur'an into various portions and then they interpret it based on their own man-made divisions and man-made portions. So Allah Ta'ala said that you should not do this. You should not do this. And Allah Ta'ala then says that we will certainly question each and every one of them regarding what they will do. Alright? Okay. Here when Allah SWT tells the Prophet that proclaim what you have been commanded to do, what the Prophet meant by, the, the, what is meant over here is that in the initial period, Sayyidina Rasulullah was doing da'wah to Islam secretly. He was in the very initial period in Makkah Mukarramah. He was just secretly inviting close friends and family to Islam. Then there was a Sahaba who offered his house. This was known as Darul Arkam. And said that even then it was secretly, but at least we should have a place to gather. And my house is protected and it's safe and we can all gather there. So then the Prophet made this first markaz dawa Darul Arkam, this first place. Here Allah SWT now is telling the Prophet that now you should propagate Islam openly, make dawah openly. Without any worry, don't grieve over the disbelievers in any way. And Allah Ta'ala said that indeed we will be sufficient for you. We will suffice you against every single, uh, we will suffice you against those who ridicule, those who ascribe gods to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala as well. Alright? Okay. Verses 97 to 99, end of Surah Al-Hijr. Then here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ending this surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, That, O oh, my beloved Messenger, indeed we, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we know very well that your heart is zik tanghogya, that your breast and your heart has been hurt and constrained by all the things that they say. So what should you do? فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَكُمْ مِنَ السَّاجِدِينَ So what you should do, you should do the tasbih, glorification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, hamd, praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of your Rabb, and you should become amongst the people who do sajda. وَأْبُدْ رَبَّكَ حَتَّى And you should worship, keep worshipping your Rabb until yakin overcomes you. So what does this mean? Now this teaches us a couple of lessons. That sometimes if what somebody says will hurt you, 
Ibn Nabi Karim Sassam had emotions and he was hurt by the mocking and ridiculing and the things that the unbelievers used to say. So just like Allah Ta'ala has given this nuskha to him and any of us in our life are ever faced by somebody who says things either about us or our family or about our deen or about our Nabi Karim Sallallahu right? Or about his sunnah that we, they are mocking and they're ridiculing and they're jesting or we feel that our heart is hurt or a girl is struggling to do hijab and niqab and parnda and her mother is mocking her, her father is mocking her. So in any way she's being mocking, hurt. Any Muslim is being hurt by the words of another person. So what is the nesan Allah Ta'ala has given us? Verses 98, 99. That what should we do? We should do tasbih. We should do ham. Hamd be amongst the sajideen means we should pray some salah. We should, sajideen is doing ishar to two things. Pray to Rakat Snafal, pray some salah. And also sajda means to go into dua, fall into sajda, present your matter to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Present this hurt that you were having to experience and you're feeling because of the words people are saying and you're, you're having to experience it because of your deen. Present that to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. rabbaka And lastly then worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and keep worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And here it literally, here yakin here means death until that which is certain overcomes you. And what is the thing that is ultimately certain? That is that every person will die. So that means a person should keep, keep worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until they pass away. So the, what is the rupt in 99? The 99 means that don't let the mocking and ridiculing and jesting and hurtful words of a person detract you, divert you in the slightest way from your ibadah. You should remain steadfast on your ibadah no matter what anyone says, no matter how emotionally hurt you will be. Being emotionally hurt should not lead to a spiritual lapse. Being emotionally hurt should not lead to a lessening and decreasing in your ibadah. You should remain steadfast on your ibadah and keep steadfast on your ibadah all the way until death overcomes you. So lots of lessons in Qur'an al-Kareem for us to do amal on. Surah Al-Nahl, Nahl means the honeybee, right? And this is now Surah number 16 of Qur'an al-Kareem. Alright, Mufti Taqi Usmani Sahib has given a brief summary of the surah in the following way. That number one is going to talk about the bounties and blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given, in, given to us in San in this world. And it's also addressing the mushrikeen in Makkah Makkah because they will also be aware of these bounties and they should also then reflect and make these bounties a means for them to have iman in Allah SWT. This surah was also revealed at the time when certain Muslims had to make hijra and leave Makkah Makkah and go to Abyssinia, modern day Ethiopia. So here, and Allah SWT is going to mention verse 42 of the surah. Uh, this surah has 128 verses. Allah SWT is going to mention the incredible swab that people will get from that hijrah. And this incident of An-Nahl, the honeybee itself, that is going to come in verse number 68. So we're going to do verses number 1 to 4. Okay. Here it says, Allah Ta'ala's command and decree has arrived, it has come, so do not seek to hasten it in any way. Indeed, Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala is pure and He is exalted far, far above than the partners that they associate and ascribe to Him. Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala sends His angels with the revelation of His commands and His rules. Uh, 
يُنَزِلُ الْمَلَائِكَةُ بِالْرُوحِ مِنْ أَمْرِهِ عَلَى مَنْ يَشَاءُ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends the angels بِالْرُوحِ Right? And بِالْرُوحِ here can mean spirit. Here it means the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Uh, it means the revelations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the ayatul Qur'ani. مِنْ أَمْرِهِ From his command. عَلَى مَنْ يَشَاءُ Upon whomsoever he wills. مِنْ إِبَادِي From amongst his servants and slaves. أَنْ أَنْذِرُوا أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنَا فَتَّكُونِي And so the person should... What is this revelation? What is the message that Allah Ta'ala is sending down upon these special servants of his? That what should they do? They should warn people that there is no being worthy of worship except for Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. فَتَّكُونِ So that therefore each and every person should fear Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala alone. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being who created all the realms that lie above in this earth, bin haq with absolute truth and truthful purpose. Ta'ala amma yushrikun. Again, Allah ta'ala is exalted far above the partners they ascribe to him. Khalaq al-insana min nutfa. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created all of humanity, or uh, you created all of humanity from a drop, uh, you can say a drop of fluid. Fa'idahum khasimum mubin. And then even then, after that, insan, turned into an argumentative. Khasim means argumentative or disputing type of person. Mubin, and they would express that disputation and argumentation open. Alright. Number one, you're Allah Ta'ala saying, Allah Ta'ala's commandment arrived. This refers to the Day of Judgment. The Allah Ta'ala has decreed that the Day of Judgment will take place. So it's going to happen. The mushrikeen should not seek to hasten it. So one thing the mushrikeen would say to the Prophet was bring the promised punishment Another thing they would say is that bring the day of judgment. Just make it happen now. If the world really is going to end and there's going to be a day of judgment, so why don't you go ahead and tell your God to make it happen now? Right? And again, sometimes some atheists today, they speak like that. They speak like that. Right? Uh, so here Allah SWT is saying is that Allah Ta'ala's command has been issued and it's soon to come. Don't demand that it should come any sooner. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it clear that Allah ta'ala's through in the Quran making clear that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the name of that being who is pure and exalted far above what all the partners that the mushrikeen associate to him. And then the message is a fear that they should fear only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Suggestion here is that the mushrikeen actually did have the emotional feeling of fear for their idols. So one emotion they had for their false gods was one of fear. And some of them actually weren't accepting Islam because they were afraid that their gods would punish them if they were going to accept Islam. And one can understand, right? A person may feel that way emotionally, right? That if I leave my gods and the gods of my forefathers, maybe they will strike me down if I accept this religion, right? So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was trying to clarify it for them. There is no such partners to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is no being that can strike you down. Allah ta'ala is far more exalted, right? Far more exalted. It's like today, imagine you go to Greece and somebody says, how can I accept Islam? What will Zeus do to me? So Allah ta'ala says, there's no Zeus. There's no need to fear Zeus, right? You should fear me and me alone, right? That's this type of thing. That's the feeling that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving them in this, uh, these ayat of Qur'an al-Kareem. Alright. Verses number mm, 5 to 8.
And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created also an arm, has created animals, livestock, cattle for you. In them there is warmth for you, many other benefits for you as well. And you can even, and from them you even eat. Women ha taqulun, and from these animals you even eat. In them also, walakum fiha jamalun. And there is also a certain beauty that Allah ta'ala has put in them. Right? Uh, put in them for you. What does that mean? That they are a source of beautification for you. When? When you return them in the evenings and when you send them out in the morning. Means that Allah Ta'ala is saying that you look quite beautiful when you shepherd these. Huh? That the animals have their own khubsurti and you and you are herding them and taking them out to graze in the pastures in the morning and returning with them at night. You also they become a means of beauty. So this is something that we don't appreciate because we're urban dwellers. But when that man is walking with, let's say, 300 sheep, the fact that he's walking with those 300 sheep actually makes him look beautiful. It's part of the jamal of insan. And what is that? That has to do with also the fact that Allah Ta'ala has made the animals tabi. The fact that the animals are so deferentially walking behind him is part of the izzat and sharf and karam and the dignity and honor that Allah Ta'ala has given insan. Right? And another thing about the animals, they carry your burdens, right? They're your transport. They carry your burdens and loads to places where you will not able to reach. You would, you could not reach unless you took upon, you took great difficulty upon yourselves. So without doubt you should know, inna rabbakum lara'ufun rahim, that indeed your rub is the most gracious, most kind, and most merciful. And then Allah subhanahu mentions specific animals that horses, mules, and donkeys. These are for riding. And wazinat, and for adornment. So now you can have your horse show, and we don't do this type of stuff, but if you're from Gudra, and you can have a horse show, and cattle show, and put nice flowers on them, and paint them, and you can do all that you want with them. They are zinat. And وَيَخْلُكُوا مَا لَا تَعْلَمُونَ And in fact, Allah subhanahu has created many, many things that you don't even know about. Right? And indeed, it means from the animal world, right? And you just have to go to any good aquarium and you will learn about all types of things that no, you, we never even knew about. And there are all types of deep sea creatures. About land animals, pretty much, the zoologists feel they knew everything. But marine biologists, they say that there are many, many creatures in the bottoms, bottom most depths of the oceans that we have no idea about. Right? So there are many things Allah Ta'ala has created that we don't even have knowledge about. Alright. The purpose of all these ayat is Allah Ta'ala, like we said, is mentioning the different bounties and blessings He has given. So Allah Ta'ala is counting this out. Now this may seem like baby stuff for you. That oh, we have animals and we get to eat them and we have hides and they give us warmth and we wear leather jackets. You're like, yik yai, tell us about our Mercedes and our Rolls Royce, right? You guys are a bit more higher level. You need a bit more high-level nimbus to get you going. But the original addresses of Quran were a bit simple people. Also because they were more in tune with nature. So actually, we don't have that feeling. Actually, this is a sign of Allah saying the fact that animals are so deferential to human beings, the fact that the cow is much bigger, but it's not might is right, because they're much more powerful than us. But we slaughter them and we eat them, and we take their skins off and we tan it and we wear jackets of them, and they don't do that of us. So Allah Ta'ala was showing this is also a sign of Allah Ta'ala's, that He has made everything subservient to you. Why? Because He made everything subservient to you so that you would be solely subservient to Him. Allah Ta'ala ne pure makhluk ko hamare matahat banaya taki hum us ek khalik ko apne aap ko matahat banaya. This is a sign actually that is there in the human fitra. So it's this, all of this that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is basically trying to mention here by mentioning all of the different benefits of these different animals. Verse number 9. وَالَ اللَّهِ كَسْتُ السَّبِيلِ That indeed, 
Kastus Sabil, that you undertake the Sabil, the path, the path is undertaken to lead to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمِنْهَا جَائِرٌ However, there are also some paths that are going to deviate people away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَوْ شَاءَ اللَّهَ هَدَاكُمْ أَجْمَعِينَ And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had wanted, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have guided each and every one of you in entirety. We've done this before, that this is not the wish of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that everybody should be guided. Right? Allah ta'ala could have forced everyone to be Muslims, but this is not the will and wish of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. His wisdom, if you will, His hikmah and His wisdom has dictated otherwise. Alright, sometimes you will find this also is often used title for books, Gustus Sabil. This is also many classical titles in Islam have taken their title from this ayah. But what is it showing us? Qasid is a very important word, Arabic word. Qasid means that you're actually treading it. So it means the straight path and the Mustaqim isn't just there, you have to tread it, walk on it, traverse it, progress on it. It's something of Qasid. Qasid means effort, right? Very intentional, purpose-driven effort. If you want to know what Qasid is, it's the way a Japanese person walks. Whereas, as opposed to the Baksai Nojavan. Baksai Nojavan is walking around all aimlessly as if there's no worry in the world, no purpose, no goal. Just as just hmm, wandering around. Right? Qasad means you walk with determination. So it means Salatul Mustaqim is something that a person should walk upon with re- resolve and strength and determination as if there are objectives and goals on that path. And his job is to discover and buy it because it's the path that leads to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright. Verses 10 to 15, then a whole other series of, so the first we did all these bounties that are related to uh, animals. Now Allah is going to talk about all types of bounties that are related to crops and night and day and sky and all of that. Who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that being? Who has sent down water from the firmaments above from the skies and Allah ta'ala has, uh, sends down that water. Mm of which you also have water to drink, that you have drinking water, and by means of that rainwater you also grow all the vegetation on which you graze all of your animals. By means of that rain, Allah subhanahu wa also caused to grow for you crops and plantations, and Allah subhanahu wa also brought forth olives, dates, grapes, and all types of food. Now olives, dates, and grapes, these are very three special things, right? Uh, in, in, in the Arab culture and considered also to be especially luxurious and uh, wonderful types of fruit. But then Allah says, وَمِنْ كُلِّ thamarat." Again, it can mean all fruit, all vegetables, all produce, all crops, everything from this earth is also coming from that water. إِنَّ فِي ذَلَكَ الْآيَةِ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ Indeed, in all of this, there are signs for that, such a people who indeed can ponder and reflect on the signs. Then 12 onwards, stuff that we've done earlier, Allah Ta'ala has subjugated the night and day for you, and the sun and moon as well. And the stars are also in the servitude of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, all of this by His command. Indeed, in that, surely there are signs in this for people. يَذَكَّرُونَ So, we had يَتَفَكَّرُونَ or sorry, يَعْكِلُونَ for people of understanding. Next ayah that Allah says in that, and then Allah subhanahu wa has placed things or created things for you on this earth, which have all types of different colors. And in that also there is a sign for a qawm that is yadhakkarun. So you have yatafakkarun, yaqilun, yadhakkarun. Three attributes here. Tafakkur, akal, and tadhakkur. And again, all these attributes are being referred to what? 
not understanding ilm of deen from Qur'an, these attributes are in order to understand the existence of Allah from the physical creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Okay. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that being who also made subservient to you and subjugated to the oceans and the seas so that you may eat the fresh lahman tariya, that you may eat fresh meat, i.e. fresh fish from it, and that you may also extract from it jewels and gems that you wear. Right? That is your pearls. And you will see ships mm, traversing uh, or cutting through uh, the waters of the oceans. And that Allah Ta'ala has also enabled you to do. So that why so that you may seek His bounty, you may travel for trade. You may sail the oceans and travel the lands of this world through sailing for the sake of trade. Right? Uh, but what you وَلَأَلُّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ So that you may have shukr. So to have tafakkur, have akal, have tadakkur, have shukr. And then, next ayah number 15, Allah Ta'ala has uh, established or set or placed mountains on this earth, right? So that the earth does not shake with you. Now this is something that people who know physics better could understand, but from what I remember, there's something about there's this, you know, because the earth is rotating on its axis, so there's some type of centrifugal force, right? And there's some notion that the heavy bodies of mass on this earth are what make sure that you mean you don't feel that centrifugal force. We don't feel like we're on some spinning ball. And amongst that is the mountains. Right? Now, this is something else I was explaining way before anybody understood centrifugal forces and G-forces and all of that. Right? So that the earth does not shake with you. And then lastly, the response is, Allah has put rivers and tracks or roads or paths on this earth so that you may be guided. So that suggests that rivers are also people used to, in the early days, used to navigate by rivers. That's one of the most prominent features of maps originally was river. And people would guide themselves by rivers. And then Allah Ta'ala suggesting that there were also natural paths. And obviously before you started paving roads, there were some natural winding paths, especially, for example, mountain passes and in valleys. There are natural paths that Allah Ta'ala has made so that you may be guided, you may be able to travel by them. And finally, Allah Ta'ala says, and Allah Ta'ala has set, uh, so the last, Allah Lukum Tahtadun, so another word, Tahtadun, and all of that, wa alamat. And Allah Ta'ala has placed on earth signposts or landmarks, and wa bin najmihum yahtadun, and by the stars they are also able to navigate and be rightly guided. Okay. So here there are many, many signs Allah Ta'ala is discussing about. The first one is rain, right? The rain provides fresh sweet water that is fit for our own drinking and also that can bring all of the crops to come out. The second is that night and day are at your service. What does it mean? Does it mean night and day are at your service? You can control when night or day happens. That's not what it means. It means that at night you are there to rest and day is there for you to work. So at night time, the night is serving you by giving you the canopy of darkness in which you're able to rest. And at daytime, the daytime is serving you by giving you the brightness of light that you need to work. That's what it means. I remember I skipped this once before I, I said to you I would do it and I, I didn't do it. So Alhamdulillah, we got to do it here. It's in that sense that it means that the night and the day are at the service. The sun and moon are at the service of God. doesn't mean that you can point to them and they change their orbits. What it means is that when the sun light comes, so the sunlight is also what enables, right? All plants and vegetation need sunlight. Right. Also, the sunlight the sunlight provides the warmth. It's what makes the temperature bearable, livable here. So, in that sense, it's at your service. It means it's serving you. Maybe subservient and nature is not the best thing to translate. It they're serving you, and the night and day are serving you, and the sun and moon are serving you. Right? How is the moon serving? Because at night time, before they had urban lights, full moon actually provided a lot of light, and people would be you know be watchful of those days, and they would try to travel 
on those, you know, between the 10th and 20th of the lunar month, so that they could guide themselves at night in the light of the moonlight. Some of the stars are serving us because their particular positions that Allah Ta'ala has placed them in the sky. We are able to use them as a means of navigation. Indeed, all of these are signs for people of understanding. Just like that, the ocean is serving us how? Because it has fish in it, right? Multitudes of types of fish in it that we can eat. It has pearls and other things in it that we can wear. It's serving us because it parts itself. It lets ships traverse or cut across the waters and it is mean through sailing we can reach far off lands and we can do trade and then the mountains are serving us right in the way that I already mentioned rivers and different paths that Allah Ta'ala has made all of these things are serving us all right verses number 17 to 21 <laughs> Can that being who is a creator, can he ever be like or equivalent to or tantamount to such a being who doesn't create? Afalata the karun, then will you not take any heed? Wa in ta'addu ni'matullahi la tusuha rahim. And indeed, were you to attempt to count and enumerate all of the bounties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, la tusuha, you would never ever be able to do so. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is certainly all-forgiving, all-merciful. Wallahu ya'lmu ma tusirruna wa ma tu'linun. And Allah ta'ala knows that which you conceal and keep secret, and that which you disclose and make apparent. Walladhina, and those who call upon, other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, la yakhlukuna shay'aw wa hum yakhlukun. They're all those things, or all those things, idols, false gods that they are calling upon, they cannot able to create anything. In fact, hum yukhlukun, they themselves are created. So if you're worshipping, somebody's worshipping a stone statue, the stone cannot create anything. In fact, the stone statue itself was created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, they are dead. غَيْرُ أَحْيَاءٌ They are without life at all. وَمَا يَشْعُرُونَ أَيَّانَ يُبْعَثُونَ and they don't even know, they don't realize, they're not, they don't realize, they're not aware, they're not cognizant, that they will in fact be raised again. Ayana yub'athun means when they will be raised, means the reality that there will come a time that they will be raised. Alright. Here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also simply trying to use a rational argument, if you will, to show the folly of shirk. That how can you worship something that itself is created? And does not even have the ability to create. So Allah is also trying to use rational arguments to bring these mushrikeen to tawheed, to the belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then is, says in, after in 16 ayahs, talking about many bounties, says you can never count all the bounties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Few have been mentioned to you, right? Livestock, sun, moon, night, day, oceans, just as a sample, but you will never be able to make an exhaustive list of all of them. So given that what you're worshipping is not created, it cannot create, and is itself created, given that you are drowning in countless blessings and bounties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then last you should know that in Allah Rahim, that indeed Allah is all forgiving, all merciful, that you can repent from your shirk, both the shirk that you do openly and the shirk that you do secretly. So this is what is known as shirk jali and shirk khafi. Shirk jali means outward shirk, means to actually worship something other than Allah. And shirk khafi means inward shirk, ma tusirun, the shirk that we keep inside. That means to set up a rival to Allah in terms of who we will obey. Do I obey my nafs instead of obeying Allah? 
I follow fashion instead of following what Allah Ta'ala wants me to do. I succumb to peer pressure instead of succumbing to the commandment of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. So that is the secret inner shirk that we mm, conceal inside of ourselves. Right? Or we have some love for Ghairullah uh, that Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala is not allowed. Verses 22 to 25. Allahu wahid. That know that indeed your ilah, your God, your deity is one God. Right, and here Allah Ta'ala is addressing the mushrikeen, it's personal to them. It's you mushrikeen, your ilah is none other than ilahu wahid, than the one Allah subhanahu But indeed those who disbelieve in the akhirah, what happened, those who disbelieve in the akhirah, their spiritual hearts are, you can say they're defiant, they're reluctant, they're, yeah, they just, they're stubborn. And they're also arrogant mustakbirun. They view themselves to be more great than this. So, la jarama anna Allaha ya'lamu ma yusiruna wa ma yu'linun. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah knows what they conceal. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows uh, every single thing that they reveal. So Allah ta'ala knows the arrogance that they manifest and the arrogance that they the arrogance that they conceal in the arrogance of Allah. La jarma means invariably, without any doubt, Allah Ta'ala knows this. Innuhu la yuhibbul mustakbirin. So another la yuhibbul that we were tracking, that indeed Allah Ta'ala does not love the mustakbirin. Allah Ta'ala does not love the proud and arrogant. Allah Ta'ala does not love those who think them to be greater than needing Him. Those who think that they are completely content and they are greater and beyond need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not have any love for them. When they said to them that what is it that your Rabb has revealed? They reply that what is it? This is just Asatir al-Awwaleen. These are fables and tales of a people gone past. These are fables and tales of the ancient people. So therefore, لَيَحْمِلُوا uh, Okay. Hence they shall bear the full weight of, they shall bear the full weight, they will carry the full weight of the burdens on the Day of Judgment together along with some of the burdens of those whom they misled without knowledge, evil indeed and tremendously evil indeed, is that ma yazirun is the burden that they've chosen to bear. What does it mean that number one, they will suffer for their own sins and they will also suffer for the sins of those who they misled those who they misled without any knowledge, they had no basis, they had no true knowledge on the basis of this, they were uh, bringing people to fall. Okay. Here also when Allah Ta'ala says, Allah Ta'ala knows what people conceal and what they reveal, it also means that Allah Ta'ala's punishment isn't just going to come for outward kufr. If a person has kufr in their heart, they will still be punished. If a person is a closet atheist, right, has this feeling in their heart, in their heart they don't believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala knows the disbelief that they harbor in their hearts, as well as the disbelief that they manifest outwardly. Alright, as far as burdening the burdens, so that I've explained to you, that they will carry the weight of the sins that they committed, and they will carry the weight of all the people who sinned because of what they said. Verses 26 to 29. 
Indeed, those who came before these Mushrikin of Makkah Mukarama, they also plotted and schemed, they also did Makkah, they also came up with strategies. But what happened? فَأَتَاللَّهُ بُنْيَانُهُمْ مِنَ الْقَوَائِدِ And Allah subhanahu wa literally means that Allah subhanahu wa demolished uh, themselves, Allah subhanahu wa uprooted their buildings and their foundation, from their foundations. And what happened? Then their roofs caved in on them from above. And the punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, And the punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came to them from such a place from whence they could not even perceive, they could not even imagine. Then what will happen on the Day of Judgment? Then that same group that Allah Ta'ala punishes in this world, on the Day of Judgment, يُخْزِيهِمْ That Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala, they will be humiliated by Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. And Allah Ta'ala will ask them that where are those partners of mine? It's hypothetical, like you claim that I had partners, so where are those partners of mine today? Right? أَلَّذِينَ كُنْتُمْ تُشَاقُونَ فِيهِمْ And in fact, you even used to disagree with one another, uh, for the sake of which you used to, Disagree with one another, I for the sake of you to disagree with the believers, these supposed partners that I have were the source of you disagreeing with the believers. So, ilma. So those who were granted knowledge, they will say, that indeed today humiliation and misfortune are certainly upon the disbelievers. What does it mean that the people of ilm will be watching this dialogue? They will hear this dialogue and they will comment on this. And what will the people of Ilm say when they see that Allah Ta'ala asked the Mushrikeen this question, that where are those supposed partners of mine? That, right? So the people of Ilm will say at that moment on the Day of Judgment, إِنَّ الْخِزِيَ الْيَوْمَ وَسُوءَ عَلَى الْكَافِرِينَ That today on this day indeed humiliation and su'a and you know the terrible outcome. And the terrible misfortune, the terrible fate is certainly going to come upon the disbelievers. Alright. That indeed those who are taken up by the angels, literally those whose uh, souls are collected by the angels, then when, uh, while they're still, uh, right at the moment that they are committing sin, what will they do then? Those people will actually try to submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what will they say? They will say that ma kunna na'malu min su that we have not done anything, we were not doing any type of evil, any type of sin. Bala inna But instead indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all knowing about each and every single thing that they used to do. Fadkhulu abwaba jahannam, therefore enter into Enter into the gates of Jahannam, Khalidina Fiha, and enter therein. And indeed, evil indeed is the abode and resting place of the people of Takabur, of the people who are haughty and proud and arrogant. Okay, so this again it ends on the theme that it started with that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is suggesting here overall that Kufr is born of Takabur. And you find that really atheism is born of arrogance. Atheism is born of being arrogant haughty, high and mighty, that a person feels that they are beyond religion, they don't need religion, they're greater than the need for Allah, greater than the need for ibadah, right? They're greater than the need for ma'bud, greater than the need for ibadah, and too great to simply be an abd, too great for that, too great for the identity of being an abd.
other hand, وَكِيلَ لِلَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْ And it will be said to those people who adopted uh, Right, it will be said to those people who adopted taqwa that ماذا أنزل ربكم That what is it that your Rabb had revealed? So what does it call khaira? They said that indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what He revealed was khair, was extremely excellent, was noble, was perfect, was wondrous, was goodness itself. What Allah ta'ala revealed, that was khaira, that was goodness itself, the very good. Surah Nahum verse 30, Surah number 16, verse 30, that what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed was good itself. Right? لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا فِي هَذِهِ الدُّنْيَا hasana, And indeed then those who did hasanat in this world, then Allah Ta'ala says that Allah Ta'ala is going to give them the hasanat of the akhirah, those who did mm, good deeds in this world, then Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala will give them much good uh, in this world, and Allah Ta'ala will all, those who do good deeds in this world, Allah Ta'ala will give them much good in this world as well. وَلَدَاهُ الْآخِرَةِ خَيْرٌ And the Permanent abode, the abode of the hereafter is even better than that. And khair can also be understood as being ism tafzil is the best. And how wonderfully excellent will be darul muttaqeen, the home of the people of taqwa. Right? And again, like I was saying that we want that the sifat that a person has in Jannah, we should try to have that here. So we should make every one of our homes should be worthy of being called darul muttaqeen. Imagine if we can put that up on top of our houses, right? Instead of putting up the, you know, Subhanallah, La ilaha illallah, Allah Ta'ala save me from Nazar, right? How about bringing up Dal Muttaqeen? Gimma Taqwa saves me from Nazar. Right? Walla Ni'ma Dal Muttaqeen. So again, the people of Taqwa. And what is that? Jannatu Adnin Yadhulunaha, Tajimintatil Anhar, that they will enter into gardens, eternal gardens, perpetual gardens, underneath which rivers will flow. And, for them they will have, now here this is the famous wording, لَهُمْ فِيهَا مَا يَشَاءُونَ I know, there's another one that you guys like even more because it's my nafs consecrated. وَعَيْغَا لَهُمْ مَا فِيهَا تَشْتَهِ أَنفُسَهُمْ Here, here, لَهُمْ فِيهَا مَا يَشَاءُونَ They will have in there whatever they want. Here now the university crowd thinks that all the haram things they left, they will have it there. No, alhamdulillah, you won't want those things over there. Once somebody asked me that if I leave smoking, will I? Will there be cigarettes in Jannah? Allah Ta'ala said, I'll have whatever I want. I said, you won't want that when you're in Jannah. <laughs> That's how we can explain it to you. You will have whatever you want, but you won't be wanting that over there. Right? Just like when you're traveling somewhere, right? And say, should I pack this? Somebody will say, no, you won't need it. You won't be needing it where you're going. Right? So your wants and needs change when you make a journey. So inshallah, when we all, inshallah ta'ala, if Allah ta'ala in His rahmah gives us a life on earth that can be at least struggling to adopt taqwa, and then we are firm on tawbah, and of His mercy He makes us enter into Jannah, our needs and wants over there are going to be different than our needs and wants over here. Right? Okay. So everything that a jannati person, a muttaki jannati person would want, they would have all of those things that they want over there. Right? Just as Allah SWT send His reward and compensate the people of taqwa. And these are the ones who the angels come and collect their souls when they are tayyib. 
يقولون السلام and so what does the angel say to them salamun alaykum the peace be on you udkhulun jannata bima kuntum ta'malun so at the very moment of their death they get the basharat of jannah actual there's a whole process that they're going to go into the grave question in the grave made to rise on the day of judgment go over hisab but right at the moment when the angel comes to collect their soul they are given the basharat or they are given uh, basharat means they're given the foreshadowing and foretelling of the good news that they will enter into Jannah. So that's the beginning. Imagine that person whose journey to the Akhirah begins, then right before the angel takes their soul, the angel says this to them, Salamun alaykum, udkhulun jannate bima kuntum ta'manun, agar safrika ibtida ye hai, to safrika intaha jannatul fardos ke alawa hoi ni sakta. Alright? So much again. If the beginning of the journey is with these words, then one can only imagine what the heights and end of that journey would be. So this is how mean you want to go. This is how mean you want to leave this world. This is it. For this, even for this sentence, forget, I will tell you honestly, forget all of eternity in Jannah, forget all the eternal pleasures in Jannah, forget Ru'yat in Bari Ta'ala, forget the Ridwan of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala, Forget it all, even just to hear this one sentence, you should be willing to give up your whole life for Allah SWT. Just for the sake that when the angel of death comes, they will say this one sentence to me, Salamun alaykum unkhulun jannata bima kuntum ta'malun. Us eg jumlek sunnikli kurbanun That's how you should feel. That's the type of feeling Quran is trying to put inside of us. So you should feel, you know, I'm not... Uh, you're not here. Uh, you, you have not been created to open up your email and read the sentences that the girl sent you. That's not what you've been created for. That's not why you were given life. You were given life to hear this sentence. That's why you're given life. This is the joy. This is what we are. You should say, you should say, and the girls should say the same way. We tell the girls, you haven't been created that the guy gives you a lift on SMS and email. Us jumla sunnikli is jumla sunnikli aapko haat dege. This is why we live. So it's I'm a Muslim. Just shoot back, tell the guy. I couldn't care less what you're saying to me. <laughs> you mean nothing to me. You are nothing to me. And the guy should have the strength to tell the girl, you're nothing to me. Your words mean nothing to me. Who are you? I'm Abdullah. Inni Abdullah. I'm the servant and slave of Allah SWT. Alright? Here. Kya So anyway, this is a very beautiful passage in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has described. So this is another way to leave the end. By the way, this can happen in any state. The physical thing doesn't mean the person could be going through the most severe heart attack. This can still happen. This has nothing to do. The physical way, the physical manner in which a person leaves the world has nothing to do with whether the sentence is being said or not. Alright? It has nothing to do with it. This is a spiritual realm. This is a spiritual thing. This is completely separate from and not conditional upon any physical mm, reality. Verses 33-34 That in these people, Hal, Hal, oh, no, sorry, Hal yanzuruna illa an ta'tihumul malaikatu aw ya'ti amulu rabbika kathalika fa'ala alladhina min kablihim wa ma'adhalamahum Allah wa lakin kanu anfusahum yadlimun Then these people are they, meaning that unbelievers the unbelievers are nothing other than simply waiting 
prefer that the angels should come to them or the order of Allah SWT should come. What does it mean? That there will be some people of the unbelievers who will die, not because the angels come and take their death, but because Allah Ta'ala will signal the end of the world. There will be that class of unbeliever who dies at the end of time. That's another way that people will leave this world, right? So they're just waiting for that. So indeed, Allah Ta'ala says that all these unbelievers who have come before them, they all acted uh, and behaved uh, in the same manner. And know that Allah Ta'ala did not wrong any single one of them, but rather it was their own selves that they wronged. فَصَابُهُمْ سَيِّعَاتُ مَا amilu. So they will have to face the evil of what they did, or rather the evil of what evil the the evilness of their deeds will overwhelm them and overtake them. And, وَحَاقَ بِهِمْ مَا كَانُوا بِهِ يَسْتَحْزِهُونَ And all of the things they used to mock and jest about will also overwhelm them and encircle them. Alright. Keep going. Verses 35 to 37. Uh, and so what do the idol worshippers say? They say, لَوْ شَاءَ اللَّهُ مَا أَبَدْنَا مِن دُونِهِ مِن شَيْءٍ that if Allah Ta'ala had wished, we would not have worshipped anyone other than Him and uh, our, our forefathers wouldn't have either. And we would have never forbidden anything except that Allah Ta'ala made it forbidden. So we would have derived our sharia and our understanding of halal and haram only from Him. And so Allah Ta'ala says, Exactly is the same thing that the previous generations of unbelievers and atheists used to say, or, or polytheists used to say, And indeed there is no responsibility on the messengers other than clear delivery of the message. All of this we've done for you. These are the same words that have come before. Indeed we have sent a rasul upon every single nation. And what did they say? What did they say? Anibudullaha that to worship Allah Subhanahu and to stay away and shun all of the shayateen and to shun all rebellion. That from amongst them there were some whom Allah Taala guided and some whom Allah Taala let them go astray. So travel into the land, fasiru fil ardi, fanduru mukaddibin. So you should travel on this world and see what was the outcome and consequence of those who falsified the verses of Allah Taala's revelation and who denied His existence and denied His scriptures and revelations and His prophets. In tahris Allah hudahum, O my beloved Messenger Sallam, if you are desirous, if you have hirs. Allah Hudahum that all these mushrikeen of Makkah should get hidayah. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَهْدِ مَنْ يُذِلُّ Then know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not guide that person whom He has let go astray. وَمَا لَهُمْ مِنْ نَاصِرِينَ And all of those who Allah has let go astray and He will not guide, they will have no nasireen, they will have no helper whatsoever. Right. This we've explained before. This is the history, the philosophy of the history of humanity. That humanity is the name of none other than people who were constantly being addressees of prophets, and then they were divided into two groups: those who accepted the addresses, the address, and the khitab and messages of the prophets, and those who didn't. Here, Nabi Akram Sasam had a hirs because he was a prophet. He wanted. Right, he knew that all of insan was his mukhatab, just like every father would want all of his children. Right to be successful. The Prophet wanted all of the people to whom he was sent to, to successfully adopt Iman, to successfully receive Hidayah, and to successfully be saved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling them that even notwithstanding your hirs, right, 
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not going to guide those whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has let go astray. And once Allah ta'ala has decreed that, then there is no one to help him. So this shows also that this is a very barik thing here. Let me maybe pause and explain this. Because we're talking about what emotions a person should have. So in this eye, you get an example of two things. One is the emotion that Sayyidina Rasulullah wasallam had. Here Allah Ta'ala is not saying don't have that emotion. Have that emotion, but know that it's not going to happen. This is what I told you before, that you can sometimes, you have to fight the losing battle. Your desire should be, right? Your desire should be that the whole universe should praise Fajr. Even though you know, you should, but no, it's never going to happen. <laughs> no, it's never going to happen. So here Allah Ta'ala doesn't reprimand the Prophet Why do you have this desire? No. Right? So this shows us that sometimes a very delicate thing, I don't know how to explain to you, that we can have an emotion along with our ill. Right? We must know that a certain decree, Allah Ta'ala's, the world is going to be the way Allah has decreed it to be. Desiring otherwise doesn't mean that we're against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we're upset with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but it's when you have that emotion that you are able to act. Notice, until you're desirous for all of humanity to be guided, you won't be able to become a person of da'wah. So in order to do da'wah on humanity, you have to have such a strong feeling of emotion that you have to desire all of them to be guided. But at the same time, your ittiqad and aqidah and your ill must be based on the fact that it's not going, it's never going to happen. Allah is not going to decree that everybody will be guided. And what's the the connection between these two is that you don't know who it is that will be guided or not. So as far as everyone is concerned, your desire is for everyone. For every atheist, every polytheist, every agnostic, everyone. You have no idea which are going to be the ones who are receptive or not. Right? But factually you know that not all will be receptive. Alright? So this is something that you have to understand. Right? Alright, verses 38, um, yes, verses 38 to 40. They take oaths by Allah They swear solemn oaths by Allah that Allah will never ever resurrect the dead. No, indeed it is, uh, no, indeed is actually a promise from Allah that He has pledged uh, however, however, the vast majority of people don't know or don't aren't informed, don't accept the knowledge that indeed Allah Ta'ala is going to resurrect the dead. So Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala, uh, Ta'ala discloses for them what they have been disputing about, what they've been arguing about in this Quran. The Yubayyina lahum Allah Ta'ala makes clear to them all of the things that they've deferred about and disagree about. And so that the disbelievers may also know that they were liars. Right? The disbelievers should know that they were false, that they were lying, that they were incorrect, that indeed, in fact, Allah subhanahu is going to resurrect. And Allah ta'ala says, in fact, innama, that Allah ta'ala is saying that whensoever, that idha aradnahu annakulalahu kun fayakun. So whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intends anything to be, Allah Ta'ala innama qawlana al-shayl has to do no more than just to say to that kun fayakun be and it comes into existence. Alright? So what happened here actually the Mushrikin of Makkah Makram used to actually swear on Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and they used to reject Tawheed and reject the Prophet while 
invoking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? And especially on this issue of resurrecting the dead and they used to call the Anbiya liars. So all of this then, these verses are a response to all of that. As far as Kunfi Yakun, we've mentioned this before, right? Uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala simply has to address a command to something, just form an irada, and He says, be and it becomes. Verses 41 to 42. Here now is what we mentioned about hijrat. Now literally it means that those who do the hijrat inside Allah. So fi doesn't always mean Allah. Fillahi can mean also for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Indeed, those who did hijrat for the sake of Allah after a great unjust injustice and oppression was perpetrated upon them, we will actually settle them in a hasan place in this world. We will give them a beautiful place in this world to settle. So this is one of the barakas of hijrah. That if you make hijrah for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you leave one place for another place solely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually will take care of you. He will give you a wonderful place to settle. Right? And then Allah subhanahu and indeed, and the reward that they will have in the akhirah, akbar, that is even greater than that, lawkanu ya'lamun, if only they knew. And uh, and then those who had patience, wa'ala rabbihim yatawakkalun, so who are the ones who did hijrat? They are the ones who were patient and steadfast and endured, and they are the ones who placed their trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So sabr and tawakkal. So we learn from hijrat, the person gets two types of sawal. Very quickly, the historical incident of migrating to uh, Abyssinia. So I told you that in the initial period when the Kufar of Makkah were in Flakhir, I think this is a standard story. You can read this, you can get them from the books of Sir. Verse 43. Before, here the response in verse 43 says that we did not send uh, messengers before you, illa rijalan, right, except men. Right, so this is also this notion, right, that women always ask this question, that has there ever been a female prophet? So the answer is that no, there has never been a female prophet. All prophets have been male. Then women ask the question, why? Is it because women are inferior? So actually in terms of spirituality, Ranks of spirituality means ranks of Jannah. So actually, the prophets will be in genital for those, and women also have access to genital for those. Even right now, today, a woman, if she makes herself a woman of taqwa, of haya, of shukr, of sabr, of ibadah, she can reach the same genital for those that the Anbiya and Mursaleen will be in. So as far as all of eternity goes, genital for those admissions are still open, and both genders are equally qualified for admission. There's no gender disparity or gender discrimination. Alright? As far as Nabuat goes, because the Anbiya and Mursalin, as you've seen and you're going to keep seeing, and if you're also familiar with Hadith, you would know that the Anbiya and Mursalin were faced with severe opposition from their community. So number one is a public, public role and a role in which one has to expose oneself to harm and attack, right? And many prophets were killed. You've heard that from the Banu Israel. They killed their Anbiya. Came over and over again in Banu Israel. And many prophets were attacked. Sayyidina Rasulullah How many times was there attempted murder? Every Ghazwa was an attempted murder. Badr is an attempted murder by how many Kufar? 
Oh, there's an attempted murder. So Allah Ta'ala doesn't put women in those places and in such roles and positions where they can be exposed. But what Allah Ta'ala did decree is that if they become sadiqat, salihat, they can then for all of eternity reach the same spiritual level, which is called genital firdos, that even the Anbiya and Mursaleen are at. So the answer to that question is that Allah Ta'ala only has sent men and males as prophet and messengers. The other thing we sometimes explain to the women, that in any case there are no prophets and messengers coming, so it doesn't really make a difference. Now, if you had been born 5,000 years ago, then maybe you could have said that, you know, why couldn't I become a prophet and Allah Ta'ala only chose men for prophets. But now it doesn't make a difference. Anyway, there are not going to be any prophets and messengers after Nabi Akrim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Then Allah Ta'ala said this very, very famous ayah of Qur'an al-Karim, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ ذِكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ That if you don't know, so I'm going to translate this backwards, إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ If you don't have ilm, if you don't know, if you don't have knowledge, then what should you do? فَاسْأَلُوا you should ask. فَاسْأَلُوا you should make su'al, you should ask if you don't have knowledge. Allah Ta'ala didn't say, فَقَرُوا الْقُرْآنِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Read Qur'an if you don't know. He said, you must ask. Who should you ask? Ahlul dhikr. Now Allah Ta'ala should have said, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الْإِلْمِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ But if you don't have ilm, go ask the people who have, have ilm. So the ishara here Allah Ta'ala was saying, that when you were going to ask somebody for ilm, your niyat is not for ilm. We don't ask or learn just for the state of mere intellectual edification. Just for acquire knowledge for knowledge's sake, we are acquiring knowledge so that it makes us a person of zikr. We want ilm so it makes us remember Allah Ta'ala more. We want ilm so it makes us love Allah Ta'ala more. We want ilm so it makes us follow the nasiha more. Therefore we must get the ilm not just from a person who has ilm, but we must get the ilm from a person who has zikr. Because when a zikr person gives us ilm, then that ilm will have an effect on our heart, will also make that ilm a means of us doing zikr of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. So, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Ask the people of dhikr if you do not know, if you don't have ill. Okay, then I'll continue. Then we sent the messengers who came before with what? With clear proofs and books. Uh, with بِالْبَيْنَاتِ with زُبْر. زُبْر means you can say parchments or scriptural revelations. Originally, it is referred to uh, Zabur is the singular of this, which was the one of the scriptures, Zubr is plural of that, so we sent these prophets and messengers with signs and scriptural revelations. And then Allah said, وَأَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الذِّكْرَ And we have sent upon you, Nabi Karim Sassam, the zikr, the reminder, which means here it refers to Qur'an al-Kareem, لِتُبَيِّلَ لِلنَّاسِ مَا نُزِّلَ إِلَيْهِمْ So that you may clearly explain to people what has been revealed to them. And and so they may reflect. Now the question is that when Allah Ta'ala sent Qur'an, and then is telling the Prophet that he has to do bayan of that Qur'an, so on what basis is he going to do bayan of the Qur'an? He's not going to do a man-made bayan of the Qur'an. Even the bayan of the Qur'an is going to be revealed to him by Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, and that is what is called the Hadith and the Sunnah. That is what is called the Hadith and the Sunnah. Okay, verses 45 to 47. Afa'aminal ladina makaru sayyat. 
Okay, and do do not those who are plotting and scheming against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do not those who are plotting and scheming against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What do they feel? Do they fear an Allahu bihim al arda? Why is it that they feel assured, they feel in some sense, feel immune or feel assured or feel safe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not make them sink into the earth or that Allah ta'ala will not inflict a punishment upon them from such a place from whence they are not able to perceive. Or Allah ta'ala may seize them fi taqallubihim while they're engaged in all of their activities, while they're roaming around. And after mifamahum bi mu'jizin, and they will not have any escape from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in any way whatsoever. They will not be able to escape Allah ta'ala's punishment. Or another way that Allah ta'ala may punish, O yahudhum ala takhawf, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will punish them in such a way that they are in apprehension and fear of Him. Finna rabbakum la ra'ufur rahim. Indeed, no, your rub is most ra'uf, is most rahim. Here, what is happening that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning, number one, that if a person is not is doing sin, and has not been punished by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they should not feel in any way that that sin has sanctioned. That because Allah ta'ala has not punished me, that means that what I'm doing is not sin, or that Allah ta'ala has forgiven me on his own, because he's not punished me. No, a person must view a sin as a sin and the person must always themselves earn Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness and mercy for any sin that they commit. Second, it means that Allah Ta'ala may punish a person in a way that they may never see it coming. Allah Ta'ala may punish them right there in front of them while they're roaming around during their activities. And Allah Ta'ala may also punish them. Right, The khawwuf can also mean, it can mean he's mustaqid to the apprehension. It can also mean through a gradual depletion. What does it mean that Allah Ta'ala may sh- sh- cause them to their bounties to diminish gradually. Slowly take away some ni'mah, take another ni'mah, take another ni'mah. And that is also a way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may punish a person. Alright, verses 48 to 50. Uh, have they not observed all of the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created and reflected upon that? And haven't they seen that the shadows of those objects sway to the right and sway to the left? And then the shadows of the objects do sajda to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in all humility. So this I explained to you last time, right? And, and the swaying to right left is when the sun travels on the horizon. So when it goes from east to west, you know, the shadow is on one side, depending on what hemisphere you're on, northern or southern. And when the sun hits the apex, the zenith, the zawal, and then it keeps going, then the shadow starts falling on the symmetrically opposite side. So this was the feature that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is highlighting to them as also one of the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he explains to them, وَلِلَّهِ يَشْتُدُوا مَا فِي السَّمَوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ And indeed each and everything in the realms that lie above on this earth makes sajda to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. مِنْ دَابَتٍ From every single creature on in, in these places, وَمَلَائِكَةُ And all of the angels, وَهُمْ لَا يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ And the angels are not proud and have no arrogance in any way whatsoever. In fact, يَخَافُونَ رَبَّهُمْ In fact, they fear their Rabb. They fear their Rabb مِنْ فَوْكِهِمْ وَيَفْعَلُونَ مَا يُؤْمَنُونَ They fear their Rabb who's exalted above them, not situated above them, who is exalted above them, and they do as they are commanded. This is also, by the way, this ayah, 
Surah 16 verse 50 that establishes clearly that angels do not have free will. They do not have the ability to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Again, some rationalist interpreters, interpreters of the Quran insist on the, suggesting uh, that angels have free will. They don't have free will. They are able to speak and think and ask questions and talk and engage in dialogue and conversation, but they don't have the freedom to disbelieve in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they don't have the freedom to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These two freedoms, freedom to disbelieve in Allah and freedom to disobey Allah, these two freedoms have been given to only two creations, jinn and insan. Angels can question Allah Ta'ala, angels can wonder why Allah Ta'ala is doing something, but they can never disbelieve and they can never disobey, right? They do whatever, each and every single thing that they are commanded to do. Actually, right? Did I, no, I, did I read it in Arabic? I did read it in Arabic. Okay. Of course, that's the upper logic of the minute. You'll have to make a sense that aloud. Alright? Okay. I've explained what it means. I did this for you earlier. What does it mean that everything in the world does such that will respond to? Verse 51. Waqalallahu. La tatakhudu ila. Okay. Allah SWT says that don't take two gods as a god. إِنَّمَا هُوَ إِلَاهُ wahid. Indeed, that no Allah sponsor is none other but only and only one God. فَإِيَّايَا فَرْهَبُونَ And therefore Allah Ta'ala says, Fear me and me alone. Have awe of me and me alone. Revere me and me alone. And to Allah sponsor belongs everything that lies in the realms above and that which is on the earth. And وَلَهُدِّينُ And to Allah sponsor deen. So it belongs to us as samawat wal-ard. وَلَهُدِّينُ وَاسِبَةً and do you fear any being besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So what does it mean that to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs the deen? By deen they normally translate this as to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs obedience. That obedience, deserving of obedience is due only and only to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So why would you then fear any being besides Him? Alright, 53. وَمَا بَكُمْ مِنْ نِعْمَةٍ Indeed, every single bounty and blessing that you have from in Allah. It is from Allah SWT. ثُمَّ إِذَا مَسَّكُمُ الظُّرُّ فَإِلَيْهِ تَجْعَرُونَ That if indeed any difficulty does afflict you, then you should turn to Allah SWT whenever in such, in each and every such case. And then ثُمَّ إِذَا كَشَفَ الظُّرَّ عَنْكُمْ And then when Allah Taala removes that difficulty from you, إِذَا فَرِيكُمْ مِنْكُمْ بِرَبِّهِمْ يُشْرِكُونَ And then even then there is a group of you that continues to start ascribing partners to Allah subhanahu wa Thus لِيَكْفُرُوا Thus did they deny بِمَا أَتَيْنَاهُمْ They denied all of the bounties that we had given to them. Then Allah subhanahu wa says, Okay, فَتَمَتَّعُوا Then let yourself enjoy them in this world. فَسَوْفَ تَعْلَمُونَ Then soon indeed they will come to learn, i.e. after they die and they're made to stand in front of Allah subhanahu ta'ala, they will come to know the evil of all that which they used to do. Verses 56 to 60. Alright. وَيَجْعَلُونَ لِمَا لَا يَعْلَمُونَ نَسِيبًا مِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ And what, what do, the next thing they do is they allocate a share from that which we had given to them for those idols. For those idols, for, and to that which they do not even know. 
Allah. But indeed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you will be questioned, each and every one of you will be questioned about each and every false lie that you used to invent and fabricate against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Verse 57, They ascribe daughters to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, subhanahu wa ta'ala is pure and free and flawless from these defects that they attribute to him. However, they will have whatever they are only going to have whatever it is that they desire. Alright? In other words, right, the ashara here is that they themselves viewed having daughters as an ab for themselves. They would rather have sons, but to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they ascribe daughters. When any one of them is given the glad tidings, and this is very important eye of Quran in terms of uh, gender, Surah Nal, Surah 16 58. Very important also for Pakistani society. وَإِذَا بُشِّرَ أَحَدُهُمْ بِالْأُنْثَى So Allah Ta'ala explains it, that when a person finds out that they're going to get a daughter, right? Whether in those days the glad tidings was after birth, in these days the glad tidings come through the form of ultrasound, right? But Allah Ta'ala is referring to this to as a bushra. Knowing that one is going to have a daughter has been referred to by Al-Spantal by that same word. Bushra, rejoicefully, joyful, glad tidings that Allah Ta'ala uses for Jannah. That the mu'min will get the Bushra of Jannah, the glad tidings of Jannah. So when any one of them gets that, the glad tidings of the daughter, what do they do? Because they are not people of revelation, they are people of unbelief. Dhalla wajhuhu. A pall and a cast and a darkness comes over their face. Musawwadan, a dark pall comes over their face. Wahum And they become people who, they enter like a, a rage, right? They enter a rage. They hide from the people because of the evil tidings they receive. So they hide it. They hide themselves. This was their thing. They were embarrassed. They didn't go in front of people because they thought that this was such terrible news that was given to them. Then he used to think that shall he keep her with disgrace or shall he bury her in the sand? Right? This was either, either they didn't bury all their daughters, they would either bury their daughters, or they would be ashamed that they would keep their daughters in a state of disgrace and humiliation and shame. So Allah Ta'ala says that evil indeed, ma yahkumun, is whatever judgment, whatever decision he takes, either way, it is evil, because they've set it up for themselves, a choice between two evils. And indeed, لِلَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُوا بِالْآخِرَةِ مَثَلُ Indeed, and those who don't believe in the Akhirah, their likeness is like evil itself, they're evil incarnate. However, وَلِلَّهِ الْمَثَلُ الْأَعْلَى And to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, mm, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belong the most exalted uh, attributes, the most exalted like, like most exalted attributes, وَهُلَ عَزِيزُ hakim And indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is almighty and all wise. Alright. So here, this is what you all know about this from Sirah and your Islamic history, that this is one of the things that the pre-Islamic Arabians used to do they used to have a very, they used to scorn having women so much that they even bury their female daughters alive after they were born, newborn babies. They would bury them sometimes if they were girls. Verses 61 to 65. <laughs> وَلَكِنْ يُؤَخِّرُهُمْ إِلَىٰ أَجَلٍ مُسَمَّةٍ If Allah SWT were to punish every member of humanity due to their zulm, due to their sins, their injustice,
their wrongdoing, then there would not be a single creature even left to walk the face of this earth. Allahu Akbar. Means that Allah, all of us are completely mustahik, completely worthy of His punishment. The way our own Shaykh explains this, that it would be Allah Ta'ala's right that He gave us these bounties and blessings. And just like when we give one something, some person something, if they misuse an amanat we gave them, we take it back. It would have been well within Allah Ta'ala's right that the first time we used our eyes to look at something impermissible, He should have struck us blind at that moment. It would have been well within Allah Ta'ala's right that the first time we said something impermissible within our tongue, He should have made it mute at that moment. It would have been perfectly well within Allah Ta'ala's right that the first time we listened to something that we shouldn't hear, Allah Ta'ala should have made us deaf at that moment. It would have been well within Allah Ta'ala's right that the first time we let our feet take us to a place or action of sin, Allah Ta'ala should have paralyzed us at that moment. It would have been well within Allah Ta'ala's right, that the first time we ever thought a thought that was against the hukum of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala should have made us mentally disabled at that moment, it would all of this would have been completely well within Allah ta'ala's right, that on the first time we misused any amanat that Allah ta'ala could have taken it back and so if Allah ta'ala was to do that and to actually inf- and, uh, and to take people to task you can say to take people to task for their sins and injustice, there would be no creature left to even walk the face of this earth. There would be no creature spared on the face of this earth. This is just Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's hilm. And that's what he says, وَلَكِنْ يُؤَخِّرُهُمْ إِلَىٰ أَجَلٍ مُسَمَّىٰ But however, Allah Ta'ala gives everyone a reprieve until an appointed time and term expires, which is their death. Why does He give them that reprieve? Right? That is because He wants them to be able to make istighfar and tawbah over what they do. And this is why it's the sunnah amal to make a istighfar a hundred times every day. That every single day, whatever I did, I should wipe it clean. Every single day, I should wipe it clean. Right? فَإِذَا جَاءَ أَجُلُهُمْ And indeed, when that appointed <coughs> time comes, it means that thereby it expires, then they will not be able to delay it for even a second, and nor will they be able to bring it forward for even a second. And they assign to Allah subhanahu they ascribe to Allah subhanahu things what they themselves dislike. And their tongues make the false claims and allegations that for them there is a happy end. They say, That as if for them there will be a beautiful, noble outcome. So Allah undoubtedly without any doubt invariably that no, what will be for them will be the fire of Jahannam and indeed they will be the first and foremost uh, they will be first and foremost driven towards uh, that fire of Jahannam. Tallahi indeed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that indeed we sent many many Anbiya and Mursaleen to communities before you Nabi Akrim sallallahu but what happened now again this entry of shaitan فَزَيَّنَ لَهُمُ الشَّيْطَانُ أَعْمَالَهُمْ That the crude and lewd and false things that they did, shaitan made them muzayyan. So we explain this sometimes, and the shaitan gift wraps our sins. Shaitan's job is to take a sin and put a nice gift wrapping on it and then put it in front of us. So we are attracted to it. So that we are attracted to it. So shaitan gift wrapped all of their sinful actions to them, made alluring and attractive their simple uh, their Sinful actions to them. And so who will they have as a wali on the day of judgment? Not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They will have Iblis. Shaitan will be their wali. He will be their intimate friend and companion on that day. And then to all of them, Shaitan plus all of them will be an intensely painful punishment. Right? 
وَمَا أَنزَلْنَا عَلَيْكَ الْكِتَابَ And O oh, my Nabi, so we not send down the book to you إِلَّا لِتُبَيِّنَ لَهُمُ الَّذِي Except that you should clarify to them and make clear to them all of those things about which, concerning which they disagree and defer. And secondly, وَهُدَانَ as a means of hidayah And thirdly, وَرَحْمَةً as a mercy. For who? لِقَوْمِ يُؤْمِنُونَ That for those who believe and have iman, the Qur'an al-Karim will be a book of hidayah and a book of rahmah. 65 indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends down rain waters from the sky and by means of that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revives uh, the earth after its death. Indeed there's certainly a sign in this for those who they call me yasma'un for a community who listens and who heeds for people who pay heed. Some uh, of the Mashaikh used to also trend the come out with a rapt because right before this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verse number 64 mentions that the Quran is a book of hidayah and rahmah so literally here Allah ta'ala is saying in verse number 65 wallahu anzala minas sama'i ma'an that indeed Allah ta'ala sends down water but sometimes the mashaykh will explain this way that Allah ta'ala is also sent down right the water of the Quran al-Kareem and then that person, they would point to their kalb, that the person's heart has died. And by means of the verses of revelation, then a person's heart can become revived again after it has died. Indeed in this, there is a sign for a community of people who listens intently and is willing to pay heed. Listen intently means that we're listening with the niyat to take nasiha. Alright. This is very self explanatory. Okay, verses sixty six to seventy. Nantal says that indeed there is a lesson for you in livestock or animals or cattle that we provide you uh, from out of what lies in their bellies, we provide for you from what lies in their bellies that is between their feces and their blood. right? What does that mean? That you don't eat their entrails and their mm, excrement and you don't eat their blood, but you are a source of sustenance for you is what lies between the two, which is their meat and their flesh. And you can even, you know, their cherbi and etc. Alright? Uh, and we give you pure milk to drink from them that is easy for you to consume or digest or pleasant for those who drink, right? So milk itself is one of the greatest bounties and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Verse number 67, And when with tamarat and nakhilam we provide few from the fruits of the date palm tree, i.e. dates and grapes, right? Uh, and uh, from them, what does this mean? Yeah, I'm just going to explain this to you in a moment. And you actually make intoxicants, you make intoxicating beverages from dates and grapes. And also you have uh, a hasan risk from all of these things that Allah Ta'ala has sent down. And indeed in this there is a sign for those who understand. Alright. Now this ayah was revealed before, and I've done with you by now all three of the verses of the prohibition of liquor. This ayah was revealed in the earliest period of Makkah Makkara, even before the first stage of the prohibition of liquor. So in the very initial period in Islam, alcohol had not been forbidden, and they had used to make intoxicating beverages from dates and grapes in particular. Secondly, right, that this ayah remains 
This I remains because uh, although you may not, let's say you are not able to drink these intoxicating beverages, but still, today basically, let's put it this way, alcohol has certain medicinal purposes when it is applied topically, right? And so you know when you get a wound, they apply alcohol, right? And sometimes in other sort of topical applications. So in these days now, we make synthetic alcohol. But in classical times, there was no synthetic alcohol. The ability to make alcohol was from natural sources such as fermenting dates and fermenting grapes. So even then there was a benefit from this, which is alcohol. Now this much is just a relatively, maybe in the last 50 or 80 years, that human beings are making now synthetic alcohol for wounds and dressings and all that. But classically then, they had learned that this was something uh, that actually had a medical application. Right? Indeed, in all of this is a sign that come for people to understand. Now comes the ayah upon which this surah is named. This is the ayah that's going to talk about the honeybee. So this is also... Uh, now, obviously, the honeybee is itself a ni'mat, but what is Allah going to say here? Well, and your Rabb revealed to the honeybee. What did he reveal to the honeybee? That it should take and adopt its homes in the mountains, and in the trees, and also in the structures that people raise. So this is a beehive, if you ever happen to see it. If any of you have visited my office, some of you may have known that at certain times of the year we had a zipper dust. This third word, our office, right? They had huge beehives. And Allah Ta'ala is showing us that this is something Allah Ta'ala guided the bees, that where would they be able to build these big hives? Why? Because that's where they store the honey. So for them to have been benefit to us so that we could get their honey, they needed to know how to construct a beehive. And if you ever seen, I saw a documentary on this, a fascinating thing, if you ever see this documentary on how they build the beehive and the whole social structure and the queen bee and how they go out to get the pollen and they come back and how they can find their way back, right? So all of this, so this complicated hidayat Allah Ta'ala gave them so that we could eat honey. All of this was there so that me and you, so that we could eat honey. Alright? So it's quite an uh, amazing thing. And then you should eat eat from each and every type of fruit that Allah SWT has given. Right? Now by the way, what this means is eat from all of those fruits that Allah Ta'ala has placed on earth as your sustenance provision. It doesn't mean that there's some type of poisonous fruit. Allah Ta'ala is saying to eat from that. Right? It means eat from all of those fruits and crops and produce of the land that Allah Ta'ala has put there for your provisions. First, look at Subal Rabbik, and then you should traverse the pathways of your Rabb, uh, that your Rabb, well, that your Rabb has made easy for you. In other words, these pathways, these rivers, these oceans, etc. Alright. Then, Yakhrujimin Butuniha Sharabun Mukhtaliful Alwan. And it exit, comes out from their bellies a beverage that is of varying colors. And fihi shifa'un. And in that fihi shifa'un linnas. And in that there is uh, a great cure for humanity. In that there is a sign also the kaumi at the fakrun for such a people who are, who ponder and reflect. Wallahu khalakukum thumma yatawafakum. Indeed, Allah has created you and then He is going to 
collect you in other words claim your souls cause death to come into maminkum 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 mayuraddu ila okay and from amongst those of you there are those who will be returned to a senile age how does he put this here the scene okay the worst part of the age so that they will know nothing after having earlier had knowledge indeed allah subhanahu alimun qadir allah subhanahu all knowing all powerful Okay. Here Allah spawned on this passage that we read verses 66 to 70. In addition to mentioning rain and all that, Allah Ta'ala is mentioning now a few different beverages here. Alright? Uh, first was a mention of milk, I think, earlier on. And milk is obviously something that everyone in this world acknowledges. That is something that the human being survives only on milk for the first one to two years of their life. So obviously it has so much nourishment and power in that. Secondly, so the, 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 I think of like I meant for you, this drink of varying colors, this and I don't know enough about this, but I did observe this once a little bit uh, when we tried to buy honey once in Saudi Arabia. I can't even remember now that brand, but it, they have so many different colors, hues of brown, right? Many metamaticals, very light, very more opaque, more transparent, more cloudy. So actually, right, so it meant... And that's why batoon, I mean belly is too big of a word for a bee, because it's very difficult to imagine a bee having a belly, right? Um, but batoon means in their innards, in their innards, in their inner little tiny little stomachs that they have, right? A fluid comes out which has many, many colors. And shifa, so this is the famous, right? Uh, in fact, it was probably a shifa, was probably the name of the company, now to come to think of it. So this is that ayah which is mentioning that in honey lies a cure for humanity. That does not mean, by the way, right? It does not mean Allah does not saying in Quran that in honey lies a cure for every single thing. It doesn't mean now that you close down all the medical stores, fire all the doctors, and just buy honey and honey and honey, right? That's not what Allah is saying. Shifa'un means that it contains a cure, curative powers, some cures for humanity, right? Does not mean it's a cure for every single thing. That said, there are some ulama who have written books in Urdu on this. I, I do remember one uh, in which they have listed quite a lot, uh, let's say quite a wide variety of the curative powers of honey. So in any case, it is something that a person should regularly take because also we won't necessarily know. Insan in will never be able to exhaust the ilm of anything in Quran. Therefore, in what sense and to what extent, for what illnesses, honey is a shifa, insan will never be able to exhaustively, completely know that. So therefore, you might as well just take it. You never know, right? And that's why, so this is one of, this is all separate topic. The sunnahs of eating, and this is, people have written a lot on this, and it's something we should know more about. What are the things in Quran and eat that Nabi has recommended for us to eat? And we should use them more in our diet. Honey, vinegar, Gilonji, Kaddu, there are certain things we should make more use of them. But that's another another topic for another time. Alright? Alright, verses number seventy one. Wallahu Fadlabatukum Allah Ba'din Fidrisk. Now no Allah Tal saying the look that Allah is saying we have preferred some of you over others in terms of risk. What does it mean that we've given some of you more than others? So first of all, all of us know that some people have more money than others, right? Okay. Quran is trying to show us that Allah Ta'ala has made that the case. 
It's not life, it's not fate, it's not luck, it's not circumstance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made in such a way that some people will have more than others. Okay. فَمَنْ لَذِينَ Now those who have been granted preference, those who have been given more, right? They are not willing to give their risk to their slaves so as to make them all equal. Alright. فَبِنِعْمَةِ اللَّهِ يَجْهَدُونَ So will they still, do they then reject the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What is this now? This is understood here. That... Uh, Mufti Taki has taken us in a different route. Mufti Ashik Elayasab suggests that actually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, uh, and this is sort of, if you will, this is a response to communism, although communists don't really like to be responded to, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning uh, that uh, income equality is not going to happen. This is one of the wisdoms of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that if everyone was to be as rich or as poor, everybody got the same salary for everything, the world would not be able to function. Many times at the university we would give you the example, that the VC and the professor and the TA and the secretary all got the same salary, the university wouldn't function. I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> and that's just a small example for the whole world. For the whole world. Right? So... And in some sense also, human beings have this interdependence in terms of economic relations with one another because precisely they have different things to offer, labor, land, capital, and they are hopeful of compensation from one another in terms of wages or rent or profits. All right? So here, I'm not here to teach the PhD in economics, economics, right? Take care. But point is, Allah subhanahu is saying is that there's a certain interdependency which Allah Ta'ala has put between humans, which is partly, partly includes financial dependency and financial interactions and financial compensations between people. Alright. Next thing Allah subhanahu says, وَاللَّهُ جَعَلَّكُمْ مِنْ أَنفُسِكِمْ أَزْوَاجًا And then Allah subhanahu says the verse number 72, that Allah subhanahu has created spouses from amongst you and has created sons and grandsons for you from your spouses. And Allah Ta'ala has given you provision from good, pure things to eat. Right? Tayyibat. Warzakakum minat tayyibat. Allah has given you from pure and wonderful things to eat. So after all that, فَبِلْ بَاطِلِ يُؤْمِنُونَ And do you still believe in batil? وَبَنِعْمَةَ اللَّهِهُمْ يُكْفُرُونَ And they still disbelieve in the bounties and blessings of Allah Subhanahu Now here, Allah Subhanahu is talking the language of the mushrikeen of Makkah Makarmah. So showing them that Allah has given you spouses and family. And from that, children. Right? Uh, children, but it, actually the word is sons and grandsons. And these are all bounties and blessings of Allah Subhanahu here, Allah Ta'ala just recently said that a daughter was a bushra. So women, parishan ne right? Otherwise it's saying sons and why doesn't say children. Or there it said untha, it said daughter, didn't say child. There it said daughter, here it said son. Right? Okay. 
they wayabadunam in dunillahi they worship other than those spiritual things that and they're worshiping things that do not have any power do not have any dominion who cannot give them any sustenance have no power to give them anything from anywhere in the heavens and the earth shay'a nothing can they do from wallahi istati'un and they're in, completely incapable of doing so fala tadribu lillahi al-amthal so do not coin examples similarities similitudes for allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because in Allah ya'lamu wa antum la ta'lamun Allah Ta'ala knows and you do not know all right so do not think that Allah Ta'ala is like anything that you can imagine right what does this mean that nobody should uh, what the mushrikeen did basically is that some of them when said that they believe in Allah and other gods so they thought these lesser gods were kind of like the supreme god right and that these lesser gods were somehow you know, sim- similar or examples or amthal of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying is that no, don't ascribe any type of, any type of similitude or any type of likeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He has no amthal. Many times in the books of Akira they explain, la mithla lahu. La mithla lahu. That there is nothing that resembles Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing that is even the semblance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Put it that way. Alright? Okay, verses 75, 76. Allah Ta'ala can coin examples for you. And this is an interesting parable in Quran Kareem number 1, verse 75. Allah Ta'ala coins example of Abadam Mamluka. That Allah Ta'ala coins the example of a slave who is owned by somebody. La And he has no power to do anything whatsoever. And uh, there is a person whom... then. Second, there's woman. So first is the abd, and second now, second person is man. Such a person. Razaknahu minna rizka. Allah Ta'ala says that we have given him risk from ourselves. Hasana, a noble and plentiful and abundant risk. Fuhuwa yunfiku minhu. And he spends from the risk that we have given him. Sirrum wa jahran. Secretly and also openly. Hal yastavun. That will these two ever be equal? Alhamdulillah, all praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. بَلْ أَكْثَرُهُمْ But the vast majority of them don't know. So that was the first example. Second example is in verse 76. Second, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the example of Rajulani of two men. One of them, ahaduhum, one of them is dumb, is mentally impaired, right? And he's unable, لَا يَقْدُرُ عَلَى is unable to do anything, Right? And he is a burden on his owner. Okay, wherever he is sent, he does not. He can't because he can't. He's not mentally uh, functioning. He can't do anything. He can't do anything. He cannot bring any good. Can he ever be equal? Hal can that person ever be equal to that person, Ya'muru bil Adl, who enjoins and commands and instills and establishes Adl justice on earth? And he is on Sirat the Mustaqim. Okay, so there are two analogies here. Verse 75, the first analogy was number one, that of a slave who has no wealth and cannot benefit anybody financially. And the second one is that person who Allah Ta'ala gave an abundance of wealth and not only he can, but he does actually spend his wealth on people. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that these two people are not equal to one another. These two people are not equal to one another. 
Just like that, Allah Ta'ala is giving the example of the idols. So what it is, it's a rebuttal to shirk actually. So the false god is like that abd who has no power over anything and cannot give anybody any risk. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is actually here coining an example. And the thing that you don't coin examples about me, I will show you the example. So Allah Ta'ala is saying the example of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala who has been given risk. Allah's example is like that person who has been given risk and plentiful and can give it to whomsoever he wants and gives it secretly and gives it openly. That's how Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is. So Allah Ta'ala is speaking to them in human terms that just like two such people like that can never be equal, just like that the idols you are ascribing to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala can never be equal. Right? Okay. Also then this also obviously gives you a very big ishaar on verse 75 how much Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala speaks favorably about people who give money for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's, they've been likened to an attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also is a means of supporting others financially. Sometimes a human being can also, not due to their own independent ability, but due to the risk that Allah ta'ala gave them, they can spend from that. The second example is that a person who is dumb and mute. Now the person who is dumb and mute cannot care for themselves, cannot care for the guardian, they cannot bring any good to happen. Exactly like that is the idol. The idols that you worship, Allah Ta'ala is addressing the idols that you worship are dumb and mute and cannot bring any benefit to anyone, right? And they are not a source of khair at all. Whereas Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is like the person who is enjoining justice and bringing people onto the Shatta Mustaqim by means of sending his Quran Kareem and Nabiya Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Wallahi Rabbi Samawati wal Arbur 77, to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala belongs all of the unseen realm, all of the unseen realms and affairs of the firmaments that lie above and all of the unseen realms and affairs and matters of this earth. And the affair of Qiyamah this Amr of the Sa'a, of the last moment and the hour, is just going to be like the blink of the eye, or huwa akrabar is even closer than the blink of the eye. Inna Allah ala kulla shayin kadir. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all powerful over each and every single thing. Alright? So, uh, what does it mean? It means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is bringing about, it's talking about what we call, what normally means called cataclysmic or sudden event. That the day of judgment is going to happen all of a sudden. It's going to happen, it's going to, all of a sudden, the end of time and the whole world folding up will just dawn on humanity, like even just the blink of the eye, or even quicker than that. And Allah ta'ala has such a power. Can you imagine the might and power of that being? that in the less than a fraction of the second, He can cause the entire universes to just stop existing. He can take all of it, not just Earth, solar system, Milky Way galaxy, our galaxy cluster, all of the physical universe and just fold it all up and cause it to stop existing. And He can do all of that in less than a fraction of a second. Allahu Akbar Kabira. This is the power of and might of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the power and might of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Verses 78 to 83. Wallahu akhrajukum min batuni ummah. Okay, but now we can say bellies. Allah Ta'ala took you out from the bellies of your mothers, right? But still, the proper word would be wombs in this case, right? Allah Ta'ala put you out from your mother's wombs when you knew nothing. And as you had no la ta'lamun, you had no ilm. La ta'lamun is shay'a. Means number one, you knew nothing. It also means you knew, you had no role in this. You had no idea where you were. You had no idea you were being brought out, right? And this is a, 
also again an example. Just like you are brought out from that, you will be brought forth from your graves and you will be raised to stand again on the day of judgment. Just like, and you won't know anything. You won't, you won't know what's happening to you. Just like you didn't know what was happening to you when you came out from your mother's womb. And Allah bestowed upon you, right? And these are sort of uh, instruments of learning, right? This is how you get your ilm. Sama, your ears to which you listen and hear. Absar, your eyes to which you see. Wal-af'idah, the hearts by which you discern, right? Your fu'ad af'idah, the hearts by which you discern and deliberate and understand. Why? Lalakum tashkurun, so that you could become people who are grateful and appreciative to Allah SWT. Verses 79 numbers that have not looked at the birds in the sky and how they are, how they suspend themselves in midair. Indeed, know that it's only Allah Spanta who suspends them in air, right? And certainly when you see a bird gliding, it's, it's quite something, it's a sight to see, right? It's only the power and the will and the wish and decree of Allah Spanta that keeps them suspended in air. Indeed, in all of that, there are also signs for the Qawmi Yu'minun, for the Mu'mini, right? And wallahu jallalakum min bayutikum sakana. And Allah Ta'ala has actually made you people who live in homes. What does that mean? That you have been people who settle in houses, homes, dwellings. As sukun. You're not living in the wild. Human beings weren't made in a way that you live in the wild, out in the open, like animals. No, Allah Ta'ala has made you a people who reside in dwellings and structures and abode so that you could have sukun from that. And in that time, they were one of the the way their construction and their walls were made up of the hides or the leather, right? The hides of animals, animals, livestock, cattle, etc. And that you find light on the day that you travel, on the day that you camp, and out of their wool and their fur and their hair, and Allah Taala has made furnishings for you, such as their bedspreads and your carpets and that type of stuff. And Allah Taala has made all types of things from which you can derive benefit from mumata'an ilaheen. However, they will only be a benefit or enjoyment to you for a prescribed period of time, for a temporary period of time. Wallahu jalalakum mimma khalaqa And from amongst all the things that Allah Ta'ala has made for you, He has made for your benefit shades. That different things from what He has created give shade to you, right? So whether that is the shade of a wall or the shade of a tree or the shade of a mountain, that's another thing Allah Ta'ala has made for you. He has also made for you Places of uh, shelter and refuge in the mountains. And Allah Ta'ala has made for you coats of armor that protect you in battles, right? Uh, coats that protect you from the heat and coats that protect you in battle, right? Here you can say uh, your fabric clothing and steel armor, right? Steel armor type clothing. Dust is Allah subhanahu wa to complete and fulfill his bounties and perfect bounties and blessings on all of you. So that you may become people who submit to him. So you may become people who submit to him. And if they turn away, then indeed on you, Nabi was only the to deliver the clear message. يَعْرِفُونَ نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ They recognize the bounties and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ثُمَّ يُنْكِرُونَهَا But nonetheless then they deny it. They recognize the bounties of Allah but they deny that they're from Allah. They recognize the bounties of Allah but they deny that they're Allah's blessings on them. Right? وَأَكْثَرُهُمُ الْكَافِرُونَ And the vast majority of them are unbelievers. Alright. All of this is pretty self-explanatory. 
You can just extrapolate from all of this every single bounty and blessing that we have. Plastic, nylon, polyester, everything. All right, 84 to 89. Oh, boy. 84 to 89. Speed, 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 speed. And remember that day that we will raise up a witness from each and every nation and the disbelievers of Kuffar will not be granted leave to even speak or make excuses nor will they be allowed nor will they be allowed in any way to do anything that could somehow please Allah subhanahu wa or make Allah ta'ala relent unto them. And then when those who committed wrong and committed sin and were unjust when they see the adab anhum that adab will not be laxed or lightened up for them in any way. Wallahum yunzarun nor will they ever be given any reprieve and respite from that adab. Then and then when the those who committed idolatry, the idol worshippers, when they see their idols and they will exp- they will call out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rabbana that O Rabb, Haulai Shurakauna, that indeed these are the partners whom we used to make with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, these are the partners whom we used to call and worship besides you, then the partners, the idols that they used to worship to, they will worship, they will call back to them and say uh, that you were, literally it means that their statement will be flung back to them, فَأَلْقَوْ إِلَيْهِمُ الْقَوْلِ that their words will be thrown back to them, and then they will be told, إِنَّكُمْ لَكَاذِبُونَ in fact, indeed, you are liars, in other words, that they will disown the faith of the mushrikeen and they will say that we never told them to worship us along with you Allah subhanahu wa alright then what will happen is that the idol worshippers will try to propose to Allah subhanahu wa uh, they will tender their submission to Allah subhanahu wa they will propose uh, one translator that they will try to propose the truth to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala okay they are going to try to make peace with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala no, actually rather, that they will be, yes, they will have to submit themselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And all of those lies they used to fabricate and invent about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will all vanish, will be lost to them, will be of no avail to them. Then those who disbelieved and who used to stop people from the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, verse number 88, those who disbelieved and used to stop people from the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for such people Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that what we will do, that we will zidnahum azab and fokal azab, that we will add and increase their punishment, superlative punishment, punishment upon punishment, bimakanu yufsidun, due to all of the mischief and corruption they used to do on earth. وَيَوْمَ نَبْأَثُ فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ شَهِيدًا عَلَيْهِمْ Then on the day we will raise against each and every ummah a shaheed, a witness, uh, from amongst that ummah to testify, minan fusim from amongst that ummah to testify against them. Wajatna bika shahidan alaha ulai, and then we shall make you say na Rasulullah sallam a witness against all alaha ulai against all of this. Wanazana alaykul kitaba, and then we will uh, indeed we have revealed the book to you so that you may make clear each and everything, and as a book of guidance and a book of mercy. And as a glad tiding for the people who submit their lives to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as a glad tiding for the people of the deen of Islam. Who will be those witnesses that will be raised up? So for every nation it will be the Nabi. 
And it says that we will raise up a witness from every nation. It will be that Nabi that was sent. And we did that I earlier. Allah Ta'ala says that He sends a Nabi to every nation. So that Nabi that was sent to every nation will be a witness over that nation. And specifically will be a witness over the kufr and sins that that nation used to do. And the disbelievers will not be able to present any excuses in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, verse number 90. Inna Allah ya'mru bil adli wal ihsani wa ita'i dhul kurba wa yanha inal fasha'i wal munkar wal baghi. Yadakum la'allakum tadakkaroon. If you prayed Jummah, you would have heard this ayah. So Surah An-Nahal, Surah 16, verse number 90, often recited in the Jummah Khutbah. It means indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enjoins and commands you to enjoin justice and to do ihsan to be noble and excellent and virtuous in your dealings, and and to give to the relatives and the family, and to stop people from fasha, from Allah Ta'ala uh, is preventing you from doing fasha, it prohibits for you to do fasha, prohibits fasha, lewdness and immodesty for you, while munkar and all evil things, while baghi and all rebellion and oppression, ya'idhukum Allah Ta'ala advises you, la'allakum tatadhakkaroon, so that you may take heed. Alright, this is very concise verse, but it has a lot of different meanings in that, right? Uh, what is the meaning of Adil? So some of the Mufasrun said that Adil means that a person's actions should be, one is to enforce justice on earth, second Adil means that a person's actions should be the same in public and private. There should be no Durangi, there should be no Nifaq. Adil means they are truly what they appear to be, they behave the same way in public as they behave in private. Secondly, Asan, Asan means to do things nobly in the best way with all of the adab in the most perfect way that is possible uh, to adorn our actions with, uh, to do our actions in the most perfect way that we can. Spending on one's relatives or to give to one's relatives so then a person gets a double swab for this, the swab for charity and also the swab for maintaining the family ties. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said that Allah ta'ala prohibits us against fasha that we shouldn't engage in any immodesty and lewdness, and we shouldn't do anything evil, anything that is munkar, right? anything that is evil or repudiated or immoral. right? And we shouldn't commit any oppression or injustice. When did this verse enter the Jummah Khutbah? Umar bin Abdulaziz, who were from, who's from the... Tabin or Tabai Tabin? I can't remember. Omar bin Abdulaziz. Tabai Tabin Ghalban. Right? He introduced this verse into the khutbah. And then when he was Khalifa, Amir al-Mu'mineen. And then from that time until today, almost everywhere, uh, this verse has been used in the Jummah khutbah. Verses 91 to 95. Wa'awfu bi'ahdillah. That you should be true and fulfill the pledge with, that you make to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you choose to make a pledge to him. Right? So obviously this pledge that we made to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was when he asked us Quran, or he asked us, Allah subhanahu rabbikum and kaulu Allah, that we said, yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, indeed you are our Rabb. Indeed you are our Rabb. Oops.
Okay. Okay. Don't and don't break the oath that you make to one another after you have made them bad after you have reinforced them, you have reiterated them. And indeed when you made those oaths to one another, you have made Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a witness and a kafil over your pledge and over your dealings. Indeed in Allah knows each and every single thing that you do. Then in verse 92, Allah Ta'ala is going to mention the story of a particular uh, woman. So let me just translate. Do not be like the woman who had shredded her yarn into threads after having spinning it firmly. So after she spinned it and she made it into fabric, again she shredded it into separate threads. Just like that you are making your broken oats a means of mischief between yourselves because the group, just because it, one nation is more... Then another. The fact of the matter is that Allah SWT is only testing you by this means. And on the Day of Judgment, Allah Ta'ala will explain to you about each and every single thing matter that you disagreed about and that you deferred. So what happens here? There was a woman in Makkah Mukarramah who was insane. And she, what she used to do, she used to spin the yarn all morning until noon. And then she would again break it back into its separate threads in the afternoon. And then again the next morning she would take the thread and spin it together and make it into yarn. And then again the afternoon she would do that. So apparently she was known in Makkah Mukarramah for this insanity and she would be cited as an example as a person who exerts their labor for a specific cause but then nullifies their own efforts at the end of the day. So that you do something but then you yourself becomes the mean you yourself becomes the means of undoing what you did. You do something and then you undo it. So what does this mean that those people who swear and they invoke Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when they swear and then they don't fulfill it, so then they actually anger Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They actually anger Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They lose Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, they lose the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after having sworn an oath in His name. The 93, if Allah ta'ala had willed indeed, He would have made you a single ummah. But Allah ta'ala lets whomsoever he wills go astray and he guides whomsoever he wills and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that each and every one of you will definitely be questioned about each and everything that you do 94 Allah says and don't make the different oaths that you take and the promises and pledges and covenants that you take don't let it be a don't let it be a cause of strife between you such as for example just the way somebody's foot slips after it was firmly placed. So you were firmly placed, but then you started making oaths and then you break oaths. So then you will start having sedition and fitna and strife between you. So you shouldn't do that because what will happen then that will make you have to and then you will have to taste the evil consequences of having prevented others from the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And indeed you will have a tremendous punishment. And you should not try to purchase a paltry sum in exchange for the pledge that you have made with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Indeed, uh, indeed what lies with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in terms of sawab and pleasure is much much better for you in kuntum ta'lamun if only you knew and realized okay so this issue of fulfilling our pledges and our oaths means number one that one should fulfill our pledges covenants agreements 
And then if on top of that a person solemnized an agreement or pledged by taking an oath on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then all the more than a person should be true to that commitment, true to that agreement, true to that pledge, true to that covenant. As far as this issue of the woman who is spinning the yarn, it can be taken more broadly, not just at the person who breaks their pledge, but it can be any act that a person does, that once you do something, you shouldn't do anything to undo it. So for example, a person fasts in the month of Ramadan. You don't want to undo the barakat of that fast by getting involved in sin. A person goes on Umrah and Hajj, you don't want to undo that, that when you return, again you get involved in sin. A person donates zakat, you don't want to undo that by earning interest, right? So in many, many ways this example could be used, not just for swearing the oaths and breaking them, but that a person does something of the deen and then they by their own hands, they go and they do something that, un- that results in the undoing of whatever sawab or fazail or virtues and merits or rewards they may have obtained from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is about Allah Ta'ala making us a single nation. We have done this before. The example Allah Ta'ala makes here is that what? when you break the pledges and commitments and agreements you had with another, and when you break the pledge and commitment and covenant you had with Allah Subhanahu and Sayyidina Rasulullah so if it's in that sense, the latter sense, then a person, that means a person will become an unbeliever again. So here Allah Ta'ala is saying is that you're letting your foot slip when you were on firm footing. You were on firm footing, you had stood up on Iman. And now you will slip again if you choose to break the covenant and pledge that you have in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So again the same thing that if a person in the month of Ramadan they get taqwa and they get some firm footing and then again they go back to sin. So why would you want to slip after Allah ta'ala made you firm in your footing? Why would you want to start skipping prayers after Allah ta'ala in the barakah of this month made us regular in prayers? Why would you want to start missing fajrs when Allah ta'ala in the barakah of this month or barakah of the seri of this month enables us all to pray our fajrs? Right? So this is what Allah Ta'ala is saying overall the purpose example is when you attain and achieve something in deen, you should try to work not to retain it. You should guard it. You should preserve it. You should be your own watchful guardian and caretaker of the amal salih that Allah Ta'ala enables us to do. Right. 96 and 97. Ma'indakum Yanfadu uh, ma in the lahi baq that whatever is with you, whatever is with you is going to perish, is going to come to an end. However, whatever is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whatever is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should certainly last forever. And it says indeed that we will most definitely reward those who are patient for all of the good deeds that they do. That Allah ta'ala is going to reward Alladina Sabaru. وَجْرُهُمْ بِأَحْسَنِ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ Allah Ta'ala says we're going to send a reward for those who had sabr for all of the good deeds, for the best of the deeds that they used to do. Then this is another uh, often recited ayah of Quran Surah An-Nahl Surah 16 verse 97 مَنْ مِنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْثَى وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٌ That whomsoever does a good deed whether they are male or female, and they did that good deed in such a state that they were a believer in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. (coughs) 
We will grant them a pure and pristine and noble life. We will once again give them, make, bring them to life in a noble and pristine life. And then we will give them the ajr on the basis of the best of the things that they used to do. Alright, so the first thing Allah is mentioning is that why are we chasing something that is funny and leaving that reward which is baqi, which is everlasting in Allah Subhanahu akhirah. Second, what are the characteristics that mention here? Sabr and Ahsan. Sabr and Ahsan. Right? Different people have had different, different Muslims have said different things about Hayat and Tayyibah. First thing is that in this world, Allah Ta'ala will then, because of their A'mal, will give them a Hayat and Tayyibah, means a life of contentment, a life of sukun, a life of happiness. Second meaning of Hayat and Tayyibah is that in the, uh, Allah Ta'ala will give them a life of further A'mal. They will have even more and more Tayyib A'mal. They did a few A'mal, Allah will give them ability to do more A'mal. Third is that Hayat and Tayyibah refers to Jannah. Allah Ta'ala will then cause them to live again and enter into Jannah. Fourth is that Hayat Tayyibah means the Qurb of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala that before they were living in the lacking the purity of the closest to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala but when they start doing A'mal Salih Allah Ta'ala will bestow upon them His Qurb and His closeness and proximity. Verses number 98 to 100. 98 is another famous ayah of Quran al-Karim. This is the ayah where Allah subhanahu wa told us that whenever we recite Quran, we have to say, A'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajeem. So, A'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajeem. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Fa'idha karatta al-Qur'ana fasta'idh billahi minash shaitan rajeem. That whensoever you recite the Quran al-Karim, then you should seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa from the accursed, reputated, outcast shaitan. إِنَّهُ لَيْسَ لَهُ سُلْطَانٌ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا That no indeed, now and another thing, no indeed that Iblis has no sultan, no sway, no power, no warrant, no authority over those who believe, وَعَلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ يَتَوَكَّلُونَ And those who have trust in Allah SWT. So iman and tawakkul, these two things, if a person has them, then shaitan and the shayateen will have no power over them. This is why we used to tell you that you should become kamil, no need to go to an amil. If you have iman, taqwa, and tawakkul, shaitan and none of the shayateen from the jinn and none of the shayateen from insan will have any sultan, any sway on any person. Innama sultanahu, indeed his sway and power is only and only given over what type of person? Alladhina yatawallonahu, that to those people who make him their wali. Those people that they make Iblis their wali. They befriend, they befriend Iblis. وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ بِهِ مُشْرِكُونَ And those who are mushrikeen, those who ascribe partners to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then shaitan has some sway, some reign, some power, some ability over them. is not just a sentence it is, the sentence is used not just for uh, recitation uh, of Quran but also anytime a person feels that shaitan's whisperings are trying to overcome them or to distract that person from anything from the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they should recite <coughs> Alright, verses 101 to 105 وَإِذَا بَدَّلْنَا آيَةً مَكَانَ آيَةً whenever we replace a verse with another 
then indeed Wallahu A'lam will be ma Yunazilu Okay, then indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best about each and every single thing about what he reveals. They say to Nabi Islam that you are but a forger, but most of them actually have no knowledge whatsoever. Indeed they are all laya bal aktharum laya alamun. Indeed the vast majority of them don't know. Kul Nazalahu Ruhul Qudus that indeed say that Ruhul Qudus this means the angel Jibreel, that indeed the angel Jibreel has come down. This was a word I explained this to you way before when we did discussion of Saint Isa Islam that Ruh and Ruh al Qudus were Arabic al Qab or terms or appellations or nicknames if you will that were given to the angel Jibreel. So when the angel Jibreel came down min Rabbika from your Rabbil Haqqi with the absolute true revelation the Yuthabitalina Amanu and he came to make firm uh, make firm the people who believe Wahudaum and he came bringing a guidance and he came with Bushra al Muslimin and he came as a glad tidings and a good news for the people of the Deen of Islam. And indeed, what we know very well, Prophet Sallam, that what they say about you, and they claim that there is some man who comes to, because Angel came in a human form. So they thought that there's some man who comes and teaches him. That there's some man, that there's some man who comes and teaches the Prophet Sallam. Right? And لِسَانُ الَّذِي يُلْحِدُونَ إِلَيْهِ أَعْجَمِيٌّ However, the man whom they are accusing of teaching you, right, that person is non-Arabic, that person is a non-Arabic speaker. And this Qur'an al-Kareem is clearly in the language of, a clearly in a clear Arabic language. So what is that? There was a Roman slave who used to listen to Nabi Akrim sallallahu So sometimes the Prophet used to visit him. So the Mushrikeen of Makkah Makarama suggested that the Roman slave was the one who was telling the Prophet all of these things, right? And they was getting lessons from him. In other words, that the Quran was actually authored by the Roman slave and he narrated it to the Prophet and the Prophet would then narrate it onwards and make this claim. But actually they didn't realize that when they made this accusation, they had, they missed one thing. There was a little gap that the Roman slave didn't know Arabic. <laughs> that the Roman slave didn't know Arabic. Indeed, those who don't believe in the signs and verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, la yahdihum Allah. Allah ta'ala won't guide them. Allahum adabun alim. And indeed, Allah ta'ala will inflict a painful, and painful punishment and torment on him. Indeed, in the, what, those who don't believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what do they do? Don't believe in the ayat and the verses of Allah. They merely invent lies in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Indeed, these are the most intense liars. Okay. Verses 106 to 109. Man kafara billahi min ba'di Whomsoever disbelieves in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after believing, except illa man ukriha, except that person who has been forced to do so, forced to pretend, forced to say the words of disbelief when they actually still believe in their heart, right? Except for that person, those people, otherwise for him that, but his heart is content with iman, but otherwise those who open their heart to disbelief, that Allah Ta'ala's wrath will come upon them, غَذَبٌ min Allah, Allah's anger will descend upon them, وَلَهُمْ أَذَابٌ عَظِيمٌ And they will have a tremendously, a tremendously great punishment. Why? That is because they have preferred the life of this world over the life of the after. Indeed, Allah SWT does not guide a community of unbelievers. These are those people whom Allah Ta'ala has set a seal on their hearts and upon their 
ears and upon their eyes, which doesn't mean that their hearts will not be able to appreciate and feel and discern. Their ears won't listen, but they won't be able to hear and pay heed. And their eyes they will see, but they won't be able to understand or perceive. And who are these people? Indeed, these are the people who are neglectful and heedless of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in, without any doubt whatsoever, that indeed they will be losers in the hereafter. Here, if we had time, we would tell you some stories of some Sahaba Ikram who were tortured by the unbelievers of Makkah Mukarramah and asked to renounce their Iman. And how even then, they didn't act, say for example, as you know, Sayyidina Bilal, who even under Ikra, even under duress, even under compulsion, even under torture, even then he kept saying, Ahad, Ahad, Ahad. He kept calling out to the one Allah Subhanahu He would not retract even verbally. So this is the, basically the ruling of this eye is what we call in fiqh. This is a rukhsa. This is a dispensation. This is a lesser path that a person can go if they're under duress. But the higher path, which is known as adhima, is actually still not to, even under compulsion, not to retract your iman even on your tongue, even if you remain on it in your heart. All right. Okay, we just feel that indeed your Rabb will be extremely, for those who migrated and left their homes after being prosecuted, then they fought in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. sabaru, And they endured and they were steadfast and they persevered. That indeed, inna rabbaka min ba'diha, and then after all of that indeed, your Rabb is what? La rahim is all forgiving and all merciful. And remember that day when each and every single person will come pleading and arguing their own case on their own behalf and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will compensate a person entirety for each and every single thing that they did and they will not be wronged in any way and even in the slightest way. Verse 112, Allah Ta'ala coins the example of a town. That it was in a state of aman and itminan. Aman means that it was safe and secure from all external threats. Foreign affairs were in good order. Mutmainnatan, it had internal security. Hmm? Domestic and interior affairs were in order. What happened? Ya'tiyaha riskaha. رَغَدًا مِنْ كُلِّ And then Allah Ta'ala sent them a risk in abundance from all places. فَكَفَرَتْ بِأَنْ But they decided, what did they do? Even though Allah Ta'ala gave them aman, itminan, and wafir risk, what did they do? They decided to deny the bounties and blessings of Allah Ta'ala. So then what did Allah Ta'ala do? فَأَذَاكَهَ اللَّهُ لِبَاسُ الْجُوعُ Then Allah Ta'ala made that whole community taste, right? Literally it's the Clothing of hunger, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made them feel the pangs of hunger, wal khawfi, and made them fear the pangs of fear. Not fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, fear of invasion, fear the opposite of aman. That they were now living in a state of fear. Bima kanu yasna'un. Allah ta'ala caused all of this to happen because of the things that they, the actions they used to commit, and the crimes they used to perpetrate, and that's perpetrated in the sins they used to do. 
And indeed, Anbiya and, and the, the Prophet, a Prophet came to them from their own selves. But however, they denied him, rejected him, reputed him. And therefore, Allah Ta'ala inflicted a punishment on them. And indeed, they were, uh, they were sinful wrongdoers. Alright. Here one is also use the word libas, libas will do. Again, it means that when a person has a lot of risk, it means they're in the trappings of that risk. They're surrounded by that risk. And the opposite of that is for them to be entrapped and ensnared and adorned and encloaked and enshrouded, encloaked rather, uh, in the feeling of hunger. One, verses 114 and That you should eat from those things that Allah Ta'ala has provided for you. But which things? Halal, those things that are halal. And number two, tayyib. Those things that are tayyib. Those things that are lawful and those things that are pure. وَشْكُرُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ And you should be grateful and appreciative for the bounties and blessings of Allah. إِن كُنْتُمْ إِيَّاهُ تَعْبُدُونَ If indeed to Allah alone and if you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. In the Maharam, okay, indeed Allah Santa has made prohibited for you the corpse, blood, flowing blood, and the flesh of all, and the meat of the pork. And anything that was sacrificially slaughtered for anything other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if anybody is doing, eating this out of duress, not because they were rebelling against the commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, nor because they tried to transcend His limits, then if in Allah, indeed Allah is all forgiving, all merciful. All of this we commented on. A couple of weeks ago. Well, that's verse 116. And as far as the regard to the false claims that you people, that you make with your tongues, do not say about what your tongues describe falsely that this is lawful and this is unlawful. Hada halalun wa hada haramun. That you by yourselves with your own tongues think that you can declare what is halal and haram. And you're falsely declaring that. So regarding these false claims that you and false allegations that you make about things, so what are you actually doing? You're actually inventing and attributing lies to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because halal and haram, to declare halal and haram is the sole domain, sole dominion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. His sole bailiwick, only he has that right. So when you declare something as halal and haram of your own will and volition on the basis of your nafs, you've actually invented and fabricated lies to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inna ladina yafturuna lahil indeed those who... Uh, fabricate lies against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, invent and attribute false statements to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, la yuflahun, they will never be successful, they will never rejoice. Mata'un Khalil, indeed it is a very small benefit in this world that they have, they may attain by inventing these lies, however, walahum adabun alim, they will have an extremely painful punishment in akhirah. Walladina hadu, indeed for the Jews, we have prohibited, we forbidden, prohibited those things for the Jews that Ma qasasna alaykum in kablu that we have not told you Nabi Akram Sasam prior to this. Ma No all those things that we told you, all those things that we related to the Prophet prior to this. And we did not uh, cause any injustice to them, but they wronged their own selves. We did this before, before we told you there was a particular type of charbi, right? That they came in Quran already. It has already, already been explained. 
Summatabu, very important ayah here. Very important ayah here, Surah An-Nahl, Surah 16, 119. Again, something, an ayah to recite when we sin. And then know that indeed your Rabb, for those people who commit a sinful, evil's act of sin, bijahalatin, and do so out of ignorance, or as I explained to you once, a similar ayah came earlier, or do so because they were intoxicated by the passions of their nafs, thumma tabu min ba'dhidhalik. But however, after they did that sin, they made tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after that. As long as they made tawbah after that, wa aslahu, and then they made amends, they acted righteously thereafter. Then Allah Ta'ala, even after they're committing that sin, will be forgiving and merciful with them. As long as they made tawbah after that sin, and after the tawbah they now stayed on the right, right action, and they didn't return to that sin. So here Allah Ta'ala is showing His maghfirah and His mercy for people who do sin, and the path for the sinners to get that maghfirah and mercy is tawbah and islah, is to seek Allah to make repentance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to not return. That's what I explained to you before, to make true tawbah. And aslahu means to be true to that tawbah. To make true tawbah and then to be true to that tawbah. Inna Ibrahim kana ummah. That indeed Sayyidina Ibrahim was an ummah himself. He was an ummah to himself. He was an entire ummah. That's his maqam in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Qanitan lillahi hanifa. He was completely devoted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hanifa of pure faith. Pure spirituality. Inherently Pure in terms of his spiritual. And not in any way, in any sense was he from the idol worshippers. He was grateful and appreciative for the bounties and blessings of Allah SWT. Allah chose him and guided him on the straight path. And Allah Ta'ala granted him hasana, noble virtue, excellence, good in this world. And indeed in the hereafter he will be amongst the righteous and pious people. And then we sent revelation down to you, Nabi Akrim. So we sent revelation to you, Nabi Akrim. That you should follow, you, Prophet you, and then by extension, all of those who follow you, what should you all follow? Follow Millata Ibrahim Hanifa. You should follow the way of Sayyidina Ibrahim Islam, his characteristics, his sifat. Again, we did this for you before. Halimun Awahun, that he is Rauf, that he is humble, tender hearted, soft, forbearing. Right? And that his way is inherently pure of all shirk whatsoever. In no sense was he ever from the idolaters. Indeed, Allah said that we ordain the reverence of the uh, observing the Sabbath for those who differed about it. Indeed, your Rabb is going to decisively judge between all of you in the Day of Judgment concerning each and every one of those matters about which you disagree and differ. I've spoken to you enough earlier about Milat Ibrahim because it came earlier. Alright? Uh, just remember that Sayyidina Ibrahim al-Islam is Khalilullah, is the intimate friend of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ud'u ila sabila rabbika bil hikmati wal mawidatil hasana. That you should make da'wah, you should call to the path of your Rabb bil hikmah with wisdom. Wal mawidatil hasana with a beautiful, noble counsel. <coughs> So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning 
right? First, these first two ways, this is how we call people to Allah subhanahu ta'ala. Allah ta'ala is saying this to Sayyidina Rasulullah sallam, and because we are his ummah, we are going to do this also, that we are first going to call people with wisdom. And wisdom also d- demands knowing one of two things. Is the person in front of you somebody who should be invited with a mo'idat al-hasana? Is their heart a little bit soft? Do they have some iman in them? Then if you call them with a noble, virtue, excellent, soft admonishment and advice, or your hikmah will also tell you are they this next type of person that Allah Ta'ala is saying in Qur'an, وَجَادِلُهُمْ Otherwise you should present to them an, an argument and actually dispute with them by means of an argument in, in a matter that is best. So there are some people that you can call gently with a mo'idha hasana and some other people need to be dealt with a mujadila hasana. Still hasan. Still hasan, still a noble virtue of but they need to be refuted. This is important for you to know because many people, uh, I've seen actually many people in this country who have false ideas about Islam and they spread them, the way they protect themselves is they suggest that nobody, they're, they're irrefutable, that nobody should refute them. And they'll tell you even, it's a wonderful trick they have, it's a, what we call a polemical device. They'll say, Agar aap kisi alam se mere, mere raay ke baare mein puchhe na, to wo kehenge ki ye thik nahi. Wo mere khilaf hai sar. Ab then sure enough, the young man goes to the masjid and says, oh I saw this person on TV. And the alam says, no he's not right. He says, haa bilkul. Wo hi kaati usne kaati, ye uske khilaf hai. Ab it's not mehaz mukhalafat. We are doing, we are following Quran al-Kareem. Jadil hum. We are trying to refute according to the commandment that Allah Ta'ala in Quran al-Kareem gave Sayyidina Rasulullah that there are some people who perpetrate and put forth such skewed and false ideologies on TV. They need to be refuted. But what does it mean to refute them? Billati hiya asan. We will never say anything about their character. We will never make a personal attack. We will never be snide. We will strongly refute their ilmi position. What they are claiming to be Islam, we will refute their position, but we will never say about their character. But they have convinced you that we cannot even take their name. If I even take their name and refute the crazy things they say in the name of Islam, without saying anything bad about their character, still they have convinced you that if I say that I'm intolerant and I'm close-minded and I'm narrow-minded and I'm an Amalvi and I'm a traditionalist, right? This is an incredible way they protected themselves. They've put themselves beyond any criticism. And that great irony is they try to tell you that you should be critical of all ulama where they don't let anybody critically engage them. You cannot critically comment on these sacred TV personalities without being uh, attacked and labeled by a whole team of desi uncles who support them. And they just achieve, right? So it's in Qur'an that those people who are soft, we will give them a mawida. And those people who are firmly stubborn on their false ideology, we will do mujadala with them, we will refute them. But with billati hiyal asan, we will not make any character remarks, we will not say anything about their personality. But if they write something about Islam, if they're writing books with incorrect views, if they're making public statements on TVs which are incorrect, then they must be publicly refuted and reprimanded by name. Alright? Inna rabaka huwa a'lamu and indeed your Rabb knows best who are those people who have str- each uh, your Rabb knows best about each and every person who has strayed and deviated from Allah Ta'ala's path and Allah Ta'ala knows best who are the ones who are rightly guided right okay Tukhara would have commented much more to you on hikmah but 
keep going. Now last few ayat, 126 to 128. When aqabtum This is referring to the laws of retribution. That when you retaliate in retribution to someone, then you're only allowed to retaliate to the proportion in which they, uh, in proportion to the aggression that they perpetrated against you. While in sabartum, however, if you were to have sabr, as if you were not to retaliate, if you were not to go for retribution, lahum sabirin, that would be even better for you, that is even better for who? For the sabirin, for the people of sabr. So it shows here that Islam has allowed that if there has been an unjust aggression that you are able to retaliate or to seek retribution up to the same level in which you are wrong, but if you can have sabr, that is better for you. And now Allah Ta'ala then again says sabr. So sabr is going to come four times within two lines. لَإِن سَبَرْتُمْ لَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لِسَابِرِينَ Then, وَاسْبِرُوا مَا سَبْرُكَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ وَلَا تَحْزَنْ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا تَكُفِذَيْكِ مِمَّا يَمْكُرُونَ So then here Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is actually directly addressing the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that, uh, and be patient, and indeed that your Nabi Kassam patient is going to be, uh, is bestow, your, your ability to be patient is bestowed upon you by none other than Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, by Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala alone, illa billah, by none other than Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, and do not grieve over them, and do not <coughs> do not be in distress over all of the plans and plots that this came and devised. This I already explained to you earlier what that meant. In muhsinun. And indeed, Allah Subhanahu wa ma'iyat, His intimate help, His companionship, His qurb is going to be bestowed upon the people who have taqwa, and amongst all of the people who do asan, amongst the people who do who are excellent and noble in their conduct, and excellent and noble in their deeds, and excellent and noble in their ibadat. وَآخِرْ دَعْوَانَا أَنَا الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ لَمْبِ الْعَالَمِينَ Alright. سُبْحَانَ رَبِّنَا لَوْحَابَ اللَّهُ مَسَلَّهِ عَلَىٰ سِرِنَا مُحَمَّدِ وَعَلَىٰ آلِ سِرِنَا مُحَمَّدِ وَبَارِكُ بِسَلَّمِ رَبَّنَا ظَلَمْنَا أَنفُسَنَا وَإِن لَمْ تَكْفِرْ لَنَا وَتَرْحَمْنَا لَنَكُونَنَّا مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ Ya Allah, indeed we are enjoying and drowning in each and every one of your bounties and blessings. Ya Rabbi Kareem, you have given us health, you have given us wealth, you have given us izza, you have given us children, you have given us property, you have given us cars, you have given us opportunity to travel in this world, you have given us education. Ya Rabbi Kareem, you have given us each and every bounty and blessing that this world has to offer. But Ya Allah, what we want from you is we want the bounties and the blessings of the Akhirah. Ya Allah, let us do shukr in all of these bounties and blessings of this world. If there's any bounty of this world that if we can be truly shakir of it and we can retain it in such a way that it will not cost us the akhirah in any way, then Ya Allah we ask that you keep that blessing with us and if there's any bounty and blessing that we have that is distracting us from you that is deluding us about you that is making us fall into disobedience from you, Ya Allah we make tawbah from that bounty and blessing we wish to flee from it, we wish that you take it back from us, Ya Rabbi Kareem we would never want anything that 
that would make us disobey you. Ya Allah, we ask that you make us amongst your ibad. Make us amongst ibadak al-mukhlaseen. Mukhlaseen. Make us amongst your chosen mahfuz servants and slaves. Ya Allah, we ask that you protect us from the waswasa of shaitan, from the waswasa of all the shayateen and the jinn, from the waswasa of all the shayateen of insan. Ya Allah, save us from being attracted to the zinat that shaitan wants us to be attracted to. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, we ask that you make us people of haya, make us people of taqwa, make us people of tawakkul, make us people of tahara, make us people of sabr. Ya Rabbi Kareem, let us follow the millat Ibrahim Hanifa. Ya Allah, we ask that you make us Hanif in our heart, Hanif in our tongue, Hanif in our eyes, Hanif in our actions, Hanif in our words, Hanif in our thoughts, Hanif in our feelings. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you accept all of our fasts in this Ramadan, all of our ibadat in this month of Ramadan. Ya Allah, we ask that you make us worship you and love you throughout the year as much as we are even more than we are doing in this month of Ramadan. Ya Allah, whatever spiritual ni'mah you have given us in this month, if you have increased us in taqwa in this month, you increased us in salah in this month, Ya Allah, we ask that you let us retain these ni'mahs after the month of Ramadan. Ya Allah, we, don't, we may even be able to lose a physical bounty and blessing, but Ya Allah, we can never ever afford to lose the spiritual bounties and blessings. Ya Allah, we ask that you make us qaim and daim on our deen, make us sabit on our deen, have you give us istikamat on our deen. Ya Allah, Ya Bikrim, we have come to you with hearts that are weak, with iman that is weak, with a nafs that is strong. Ya Allah, we ask that you strengthen the iman in our hearts. Ya Allah, we ask that you weaken our nafs amara. We ask that you bestow upon us a nafs mutma'inna. And Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you enable us to follow each and every lesson and teaching of Qur'an al-Kareem and enable us to feel each and every feeling and every meaning of Qur'an al-Kareem. Rabbana takammal minna innaka anta samil alim wa tubu alayna innaka anta tawabu rahim wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in bi rahmatika ya rahman rahimin.